WQAM. Boy. Uh, 86 with WMCA. Uh, Roby Young is on there. That alone is well worth playing it. Jack Spector, Arlen Spector, Bush Inspector, WLS 42, WFUN 39, which is not uh, all that good. I don't know. See, I wasn't here when FUN was uh, playing rock. In fact, when I came here, I think WN was FUN was already off the air, or were they not? No, maybe they were on. Because I know that WFUN went off the air briefly, and then WNWS went on on that frequency on 790. Isn't that amazing? It went dead. It went dark. And we went on the air with a signal that you could hear like uh, in about 10 blocks, WNWS on Flagler Street. But anyway, that's uh, ancient history. Old news. WNBC had 25 vote. KDKA 20. Ed and Wendy King are pissed off they didn't do better than that. CKLW 17. I said, CKLW Motown Sound. 17 votes. Should add more than that. CKLW was dynamic. But like I told you, and why, why is that? What's the reason that so many of the people who came here from the Midwest, they wound up on the west coast of Florida? Is it because they came down uh, uh, yeah. I-75 as opposed that. to I-95? I well, don't think so. It's taken too long to drive over to this side. I see. No, seriously, I don't understand that. The people from New York and the Northeast, most of them came to the east coast of Florida. And the people from the Midwest, like from Ohio and Michigan, they went to the west coast of Florida. I don't understand that. But at any rate, that CKLW just should have had a lot more than that. WINS New York wins 10-10 at 16. We left off Cliff in Dallas, KLIF and KFWB, but couldn't have them all on there. WAPE, the big ape in Jacksonville, had 13. WMCA had 13, home of the good guys in New York. WOWO in Fort Wayne had 12. WBZ in Boston, 12. Should have had a lot more than that. Chum in Toronto had 12. Let me say it again, Gildy. Rochester is not a Buffalo suburb. Talk about the things you know something about, okay? Don't be talking about Buffalo suburbs and how it is, and some of the suburbs are really nice. No, there are no nice suburbs in Buffalo. Buffalo blows. Buffalo sucks, okay? Orchard Park, Fredonia, Depew, Hamburg, it all blows. Buffalo is a toilet. It's a sewer. And Rochester ain't no uh, suburb of Buffalo. That's like saying, oh, you know those, those Toronto suburbs like Buffalo? I mean, what does that mean? You know, the Miami suburbs like uh, Daytona Beach. Geldy, get a compass and a road map, sweetheart. And, you know, there's a big hockey story going on. I'm not going to hear about it on that show. Stephen Weiss, this great prospect, this uh, youngster in the organization who's going to be one of the superstars of the future, he uh, started the season with a team. story was Mike Keenan was going to send him down to juniors for the rest of the season, and Rick Dudley, the general manager, overrules him and says, hey, guess what, Stevie, don't go anywhere. Forget about Mike Keenan, he's an asshole. And so Stevie Weiss is still with the team, who lost again, by the way, in Chicago last night, 4-1. to Pretty dismal performance. But anyway, that's quite a big story there. I didn't hear nothing about it, did you? No. On his morning show? I heard a lot of talk about uh, New York Prime Restaurant there and how they ought to go there and meet Hank. I heard Geldy throw that comment, and like, like it's a big joke. I hate to break the news to you, Geldy. Uh, Hank don't find it humorous. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he, he don't find it even slightly amusing, all those shots at New York Prime. Haven't we had a, I've never been there, but haven't we had a lot of calls about what a great place that is? Yeah, we had. Yeah, over the years. And that we should go. And we should go. In fact, maybe we'll go. All, if we go all the way up there, we can go to Ruth Chriska. That would be free, see. And New York Prime would probably be free, too. I just, I don't know. I'm just not interested in going to Boca. Who the hell wants to go to Boca? Not me. It's a, it's a long schlep. Yeah, it is. I, I even, don't even for a free You meal. know what? I don't even like going all the way to Coral Springs, which it's a damn good thing my close personal friends, the Rimmers, moved to Davy even though they have all those barnyard animals chasing uh, them around out there. but Now you can see him so much more often. 
No, no, seriously. I don't. I don't like going to Coral Springs. I hate it up there. I don't say I hate it. It's just there's, there's uh, no good way to get there. No, that's not just that. No, I can go right up 75 and be there in uh, five minutes. But that's not the point. I just there's something about Coral Springs that leaves me cold. You know. Is it the punks? Punks are part of it. Yeah. But it's just like every everything in Coral Springs looks the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I get sure. lost there because everything looks the same. It's just one little strip shopping center after another one. You know. Big sprawl. It doesn't have any character like, you know, like plantation. <laughs> Ten after nine at 560 WQM. Happy Friday to you. We're biding our time until Monday, baby. And I'm going to tell you, this building is so tight it might explode. Woo! You can smell the aroma in the hallway. I thought Mo must have brought an extra bag today or something when I walked in the door. Man, you could smell it all up and down the hall. It's the pressure from the summer book coming out on Monday. We'll have the numbers 1130 in the morning between 1130 and noon. What, are you cold in there? A little bit. It's really nice since Julio uh, or, or Judge... See, it uh, used to be that was the cold room and this was the hot room because yeah. of the way that the vents blew uh, heavy duty in there. Yeah. Now that it's balanced. I hear there's a lot of blowing going on. 11 after uh, 9 at 560 WQM. Mattress shopping, a waste of time if you do it the old-fashioned way. Don't be old-fashioned just like us. Yeah, in fact, even if you're an old fuddy-duddy like me, you don't have to do everything old-fashioned. Pick up the phone and do it the newfangled way by making one easy phone call and calling the great people at Dial-A-Mattress. 1-800-MATTRESS. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. You'll be instantly, if not sooner, connected to somebody that knows their crap, a betting consultant who knows betting inside and out, who will hook you up with the greatest mattress you've ever put your ass on in your life. And we're talking the top ones in the world, the best-name brands you've ever heard of, Serta, Sealy, Simmons, King, Coil, and they've got exactly the one you want in stock ready for nearly immediate delivery when it's convenient for you. I mean, this deal on delivery is so good it's almost too good to be true, but they do it. Ask Miguel. He told us they were there when they uh, promised to show up and interrupted his activities. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. You pick the two-hour window in the day, any day, seven days a week, and they'll be there. And you also get that 30-day in-home comfort trial to check it out the real the intelligent way by sleeping on it for up to a month to make sure it's the right mattress for you and your back. So pick up that phone right now, and they'll be there to help you get a great night's sleep every night for years to come. Call 1-800-MATTRESS, M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or you can also check them out on the web, if you like, at mattress.com. There's a but I smell it. I'm listening to the show, and uh, one of the morning hosts was carving up a restaurant that I think is terrific. He was talking about how he had gone to this restaurant in Fort Lauderdale, the Steakhouse, Jackson's, which is, I've never been there. I've been to Burton Jack's, which is now closed. But he was saying how great it was. And then for some reason, he took a shot at New York Prime. I'm going to tell you something that's in Boca. I'm going to give them a make good because he said that the service is bad and they try to rush you out of there. Maybe they just didn't kiss his inflated ass or something, you know. I mean, some guys who are well-known, they like to go in a restaurant where people fawn over them. If they don't get that, they get unhappy with the place. I'm going to tell you something. I have been to that place probably a half dozen times. I know a lot of people who go there. The restaurant's fantastic. And I will go out on a limb and tell you it's the best steak sauce you can get anywhere south of Peter Luger's. And anybody who would knock that restaurant has got the problem. The restaurant is not the problem. You know, we've never been there before together. Well, we'll go anytime you want to, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Okay. And that place is fantastic. It's where, And you know what? It's not that far. It's, if you left from here, it's less oh. than a 45-minute yeah. ride. It's right It's right in Meisner Park. So you I'm not saying show. it's better than the other place because I haven't been to the other place. I'm just saying 
that didn't deserve to get knocked. Now, maybe he had a bad experience there. Maybe they didn't want him around for that long, you know. It's, maybe he was a pain in the ass, you know, and they said, let's get this guy out of here, get him served, and get him on the road. If there's a but, I smell it. 917 at 560, WQM. I just changed the poll. You want to know why? Why? I was inspired to change it. Because they showed a clip of El Presidente, and guess who was standing behind him? The, the, the uh, caption was, uh, administration softens tone toward the U.N. and Iraq and this whole business, which uh, they're doing. They're backing away. But guess who was standing right behind him? Condoleezza. Worse, Jewel cool. Lieberman. Oh. Oh. Now, I want to tell you something. Seriously, if I, have to, if I was forced to participate in this poll, that's, that's what inspired me to change the poll. I'm, I'm creating it as I sit here. Other than GW, because he'd obviously win in this crowd. Which politician do you detest the most? Which one of these people gives you the creeps, makes you your skin crawl? What's the right-wing asshole from Texas who's the uh, House Majority Leader? What's his name? Tom, uh, Tim, uh, Tom Mc... Uh, I always confuse him with the Tim LaHaye. La La, that, that's not the one. What the hell's his name? You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tom. Uh, come on. Ridge. Delay. No, Tom, Tom Delay. Very good. And you I'm want to know why? Because we got a seven-second delay. <laughs> Somebody ought to tell Mo how that delay works. By the way, anyway, other than George W., which uh, politician do you detest the most? Jewel Lieberman. Oh, uh, I, I, seriously, he to me, he is so much worse than George W. Because at least W., we know him for what he is. Okay. He's a vacuous, uh, dunderhead, right-wing uh, turd. Dangerous. But Jew Lieberman, man, this Orthodox, and I think he ought to be forced. If he's going to be an Orthodox Jew, don't put on a show for the public. Put on the, the talus and the payas and the tzitzes and the tefillin and come out here with the uh, shmata on your head, the uh, you know, the headgear, the doily, and show everybody what you're really all about. I mean, the Orthodox Jews that wear that crap on their sleeve, man, they're just as bad as Falwell and the other Farbis and the right-wing assholes. Obnoxious. But anyway, I don't want to, you know, twist the way you vote. Here's the list I have so far. Jew Lieberman. Ted Kennedy, because there are a lot of, you know, the right-wingers out there that can't stand Teddy. Oh, I know who else I should put on here. She'll get a lot of votes. Hillary Clinton. Huh? Oh, she'd be doing very well, I guarantee you. Ted Kennedy, Jesse Helms, Strom Thurmond, Dick Armey, Tom DeLay, and Hillary Clinton. That's my short list so far. I'm sure there are others we could add. Did you get those? Julie yeah, Lieberman, like Ted test. Kennedy, Jesse Helms, Strom Thurmond, Dick Armey, Tom DeLay, and Hillary Clinton. How about Jeb Bush? Yeah, stick his ass on there. Don't let him off the hook, even for old time's sake. Anyway, getting back to yesterday's poll result, and we still have some more stuff I'm going to play today. We're not going to do a whole show of that because we've got too many important bedtime stories. The greatest top 40 AM radio station ever was WQAM 167. Let's hear it for oh! good old QAM, which used to be really damn good. WABC 90, WLS 44. Uh, see, I disagree with that. But then again, I lived in Michigan for 12 years. I think WLS was much better than WABC. WABC was way too overproduced. But see, I'm looking at that from like a radio standpoint. WFUN 40, WNBC 26, KDKA 20, CKLW, WINS 17, WMCA and the Big Ape 14 apiece, Chum in Toronto 13, WOWO 13, WBZ 12, WOR, KFI, and WFIL each had 10. WRKO, WIBG, each had nine. WKNR in Detroit only had eight. And also WXYZ Detroit had eight. Not enough Detroit people here, baby. I'll tell you that right now. That's very sad. WAKY in Louisville had seven. Home of Bill Bailey. WPOP in Hartford had seven. And now this damn thing is changing again and jumping all over the place. I hate that like poison. 
Uh, WLW in Cincinnati had six. KAY six. KO, how come we didn't put WSAI in Cincinnati on there? Dick Purton used to work there, too, because we forgot. KOL 6, WMEX 6, WKBW only 5, only 5 for WKBW in Buffalo? Well, that's probably because Joey used to work there. Uh, WCFL also had 5, uh, 3 WE in Cleveland had 4, as did WNOE in New Orleans. KHJ had 3, KQB and WHK 3, KJR had 3. I bet you Suds was one of those, huh? Could be. WJBK in Detroit had a pair. KMPC had one. WDRC and WMGM each had oh none, which, I, you know, something that just out of 624 votes, and especially WMGM, with all due respect to Duff and his WDRC crap in Hartford, uh, WMGM, 1050 New York with Peter Tripp, how is that possible? Had no votes? When I was growing up in Rochester, which is a suburb of Buffalo, even in the daytime, you could hear WMGM. Although it had a little problem, it was on the same frequency, and still is, obviously, it's WHN. 1050 with Ch- uh, Chum in uh, Toronto. So there were, like, uh, you know, the, it was depending on which way the wind was blowing. You, understand, you know Toronto, it's a suburb of uh, Rochester? Right. So that's our poll for today, and I'm sure we'll get some selections to add to that. Make no mistake about it. Here's the big news of the day. Big news. George Beasley sees ad cycle becoming an upward trend. Norma, your good friend Norma, faxed this to me at the house last night. Beasley, which should mean big raises for everybody. What do you think? No. Huh? Come on. Can't wait. Oh, here you go. Here's a good choice for the pool. Thank you. I knew they'd start coming in. Trent Lott. Oh, he makes me want to puke a lot. Thank you. Good choice. Anyway, Beasley Broadcast Group announced Monday. How come they haven't been talking about this here in the building? If they pay less attention to ball games and more attention to what's being said by the uh, executive officers of this company over in Naples, the people in this building might have some idea what's going on. Then they will fear you. You know what I'm saying? Beasley Broadcast Group announced this week it expects its 03 results to outpace guidance. Why it's, as Chairman CEO George Beasley, so confident? I've been in this business for more than 40 years, and I've seen the up cycles, and I've seen the down cycles, he tells Bloomberg. This is an R&R. It seems that the cycle is beginning to turn upward. We've seen that through the first quarter, and we've seen that through the second quarter, so I'm confident. Advertising for us seems to be picking up across the board. He also notes that his company was able to renegotiate the sports contract. It's WQM Miami head with the Dolphins, Marlins, and Panthers, which means we're saving some of those <clears throat> millions of dollars we were flushing down the toilet. Beasley is expected to report its Q3 results on October 30, a week from uh, Wednesday. Ready for that? Big, big profits, baby, which means big, big pay increases for all. No. Especially George and Carlos and Miguel. Oh, here's some good ones. No, I'm talking about present. Now, they got Reagan on here. We don't want to put uh, poor Ronnie on there. Catherine Harris. Good choice. Makes our skin crawl, most of us. Catherine Harris. Got it? Got it. Okay, so one out of uh, several on that page ain't bad. Just keep them coming. Fax them in. We'll, uh, you know, we can start it on there anytime you want, Eric. I don't want to get, like, way behind like we did yesterday. Oh, who's on the bat line there? I wonder who that could be. WQA and bat line. It's either somebody that doesn't want to be on here or a wrong number or a fax. Hello? Nobody there. What a shame. Could have been somebody very important. Maybe it was your friend Norma. Could have been. Could have been Norma. Maybe he's got your ordeal all set up for with that huge... 200% increase. What do you think? You know, this guy, this so-called witness, 
What, what, what would you like to? I'd like to put him in if, if they ever do catch the sniper, which I have my doubts. But if they ever do, I'd like to put him in his lap when we stick him in the chair. This asshole that was inside the Home Depot. This to me, these kinds of people, these kinds of uh, assholes. How long can we torture him before he finally uh, kills over? In a twist in the Washington area sniper case, a witness who told police he had seen a cream-colored van speeding away from the latest shooting was apparently not telling the truth, forcing authorities yesterday to withdraw one of their few promising leads. The witness had described to investigators seeing a man, shoulder, and assault rifle take aim and shoot Linda Franklin in the parking lot of a Home Depot in Falls Church, Virginia, on Monday night. He also described the van, which he said had a malfunctioning taillight and a ladder rack on top. After two weeks of shootings and little evidence, the witness's description has been hailed as a step forward, and police were feeling a rare optimism about catching the killer. Now, the discounting of the witness's story left residents with less confidence the killer will be caught anytime soon. Police Chief Charles Moosey, a moose man of Montgomery County, Maryland, insisted the development was not a setback, but he acknowledged the witness may have purposely given the police faulty information. Reports of the van were inaccurate. Reports of an olive-skinned person were inaccurate, Moose said. The witness also told police he had seen the gunman wield an AK-74, an assault rifle of Russian origin. Based on that initial report, Fairfax Police broadcast an alert for the suspect vehicle and driver. Police raced into position on interstate highways, bridges, and other roads, all in search of the cream-colored van, the non-existent cream-colored van. How do you like that? They ought to take this guy, like you said, and pluck out every uh, cell in his body one one at a time. Right. Pluck out his eyeballs with rusty tweezers. Man, and he was he was inside the Home Depot. He finally admitted what was going on. Inside. Maybe he had X-ray vision, like Clark Kent. You think? Don't forget Smallville Tuesday night, by the way. Mark it down on your calendar. Clark gets very emotional again this week. They said. He does. That's what they said. He gets all whipped up into a frenzy. He thinks about looking at it. Not touching it, but, you know, got to start slow. 26 after 9 at 560 WQAM. We all have different lifestyles, Clark. Therefore, we need different products to make us feel better and be healthier. And that's why you ought to check out Oleomed. Oleomed Mediterranean formulas are advanced combinations of pharmaceutical-grade olive oil combined with good stuff, vitamins, minerals, herbals, and other nutrients scientifically designed to provide natural nutrition solutions to help you support specific health needs. And look now for Oleomed's three exciting new formulas, which are sleep, weight management, and CoQ10, all using the benefits of the finest and purest olive oil that money can buy. Oleomed's an outstanding new product, and you'll find it at your public stores, Eckerd's, and Walgreens. To get more info about what Oleomed does and where you should be sticking it, call 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-653-6633. And you can also order their products online at oleomedamerica.com. And if you visit your nearest Publix and purchase an Oleomed product in Broward or Dade counties, you'll get you a coupon for a free Larry Coker bobblehead doll. I'd rather have a Larry Glick bobblehead doll myself, but I guess they don't have those yet. A Larry Coker bobblehead doll while supplies last. Don't forget to visit their sampling pavilion at Sportstown every Sunday when the Dolphins are playing at home. And by the way, how embarrassing that game was almost blacked out this week. The 5-1 and one Dolphins against one of their arch rivals, the Buffalo Bills with Drew Bledsoe, almost blacked out because this is a Bush League town. Pick up some free samples of Oleomed and the product information as well. Start feeling healthy by popping some in your push today. Live, Live and local. We're Sports Radio 560. QAM. Friday, you bastard.
some people. Some people. With all your money, you could do some good. Help feed some people in your neighborhood. Instead, you had to go and be a real prick. And now we want your ugly. Thirty-four, five, sixty, WQAM. Pastor and four others go to jail for whippings in Atlanta. A pastor and four members of his church were found guilty yesterday of aggravated assault and cruelty to children for whipping two boys in front of the congregation. I guess they just probably wanted to whip them into shape. The defendants were handed prison sentences ranging from twenty to ninety days. There were also fined amounts ranging from two hundred and fifty bucks to eight thousand dollars, placed on probation in order to attend parenting classes. Judge T. Jackson Bedford, Jr. also told the pastor, the Reverend Arthur Allen, Jr., they cannot advise or participate in any way in the discipline of anyone else's children. The 150 members of the House of Prayer, an independent Atlanta church, have repeatedly said that they have the right to beat their children and that the church was being persecuted for, for its beliefs. They got the right to beat their children, don't you think so? Of course they do. Well, there you go, and while they're at it, kill some people. Sure, why not? <laughs> they got their own set of laws, just like the Vatican said yesterday. Well, you know, that whole uh, dog and pony show we uh, put on there, we don't think so. We're uh, not too crazy about it. Who the hell are you? Yeah, that's right. Who are you to be a dick to us, okay? We got the good rosary beads and all that good porno with the Vatican. Vatican rejects U.S. clerical abuse policy, saying revisions are necessary. Well, I don't, I'll save that. I don't want to do that yet. But we'll get to it. How about that football game? How that brawl you saw on TV this morning on the CBS over News? Over and over, right? Adults and kids brawl at a football game. Same old crap, man. Hockey games, football games, uh, baseball, uh, Little League baseball games. Crazy, crazy assholes out there. Drunken, crazy parents, obsessive lunatics, maniacal, crazy people, beating on each other, kicking and stomping. And uh, how about that one hockey dad that killed the other one right. in, uh, in New England there? All about living vicariously through their kids. Right, that's like right. All about exploiting, using their kids for their own, uh, puffing up their own ego. See, I'm, I, you know, you may laugh when I say it. Forced sterilization is the only way to go. It's the only hope. 
Now, I notice Eric's got a, a room for about 400 more. I'm trying to vote on this thing. Is this thing up for votes yet or not? Oh, well, you said that you were going to take suggestions. Well, no, well, no, let's let's close it out. Let's get some votes right. on hey, Eric. Er, uh, Eric hey, me. Eric, when in doubt, clo- is he hearing us this morning or what? Yes. Well, let's hear it. All right. He can hear us, which means other people can hear us on our Internet. we got problems with that thing, you know, and don't bug us with that. We, hey, we don't. Yeah, just us. Everybody's got problems right. because it's the freaking Internet. Like I said, when it works, it's great. When it doesn't work, it's a real pain in the ass. It's just like, uh, you know, it's like uh, Netscape sucks. And Bell South, even though Spiro Canton's upset with me, they suck. Isn't it? You think he's upset with me? Tough. To... Oh, and speaking of upset, let me just tell you this. Troy over at Balance for Life, you're a putz. It's nice that you got a free week of, uh, it's worth a billion dollars, the publicity on Channel 4. But that piece last night with that fat ham and Al Sunshine, who the hell are you to be talking about fat on television, Al, okay? Who the hell are you to be talking about it? If there's one thing I can't stand, it's fat people talking about losing weight, except me. Right? Right. And the well, you ought to know how. No, no, seriously. I mean, uh, the, the thing last night was on the cost. Now, it's not cheap, that's for sure. But the fact of the matter is that to prepare that kind of food, I had last night a chicken. What the hell was it? A chicken thing with, uh, man, it was unbelievable, with all kinds of good stuff on it. And the seasonings and the herbs and everything they used. There's no way in the world that any of you people listening to me right now, unless you're a restaurateur, and the rest of you, you couldn't prepare that kind of food. And they're saying, oh, it could cost you up to a thousand bucks a month. First of all, they deliver it right to your goddamn door. What was it called? Are you got the list? Chicken and cauliflower a la grill. No, I had that was um, that was my dinner. This was a snack. That was good, very good. But this was uh, some kind of a snack. It was chicken. Uh... No, this is a different snack. I oh man, was that good. But anyway, my point being this, that you couldn't, uh, for all, I don't care how much you'd spend, nobody in their right mind has got the time or the wherewithal or the inclination to stand in, unless you're a gourmet chef, to stand in the kitchen and prepare and work all day long or the time to do it and, and make that kind of food. So, Al Sunshine, you're a real idiot, okay? Sure, it's expensive, and they came right out there and they told you how much it cost, and how much is your health worth to you, right? Right. How much is it worth to be alive? Just like the beast, we're going to save his life with this thing if he sticks to it. He's gone from uh, 480, uh, 499 pounds. <laughs> and is he yeah. today weigh-in day? He'll be in. He was here yesterday waddling around. Don't you understand? It's too close to 9 o'clock. Oh, I he, understand. He, he isn't going to take a chance on Mo being here. I don't, I don't think Mo hangs around. No. They don't have those ding-dong school meetings anymore like they used to? Don't you remember that? Yeah. Well, what are you looking at me with kind of a whimsical look like that? Do they have what those meetings or not? With? He kind of hangs around so he can kill some people. And then he gets out of here. <laughs> oh, he is the best. Make no mistake about it. He's the most bizarre. But on Monday, man, it's going to be, this is going to be the day, okay? You can do all the BS and all the try to deflect all the stuff. Monday's going to be the day. Put your uh, put your numbers where your ass is, is what I say. Put your numbers where your uh, toupee is. And you weren't sitting in there, unfortunately. There was another, I'm sure they dumped it. There was another comment about uh, his toupee today. Probably didn't get on here. Of course, when they say when I say his toupee, I'm not. I don't know which one I'm talking about because this one didn't smell quite so bad. It was his bag. No, it was the pressure from the whole building from those numbers coming out on Monday. And of course, right down the hall, you know that crap they played down the hall, Power 96. They're all up. Well, they've been going in the right direction, man. It yes, must be that LB Silk, you know. So I guess this thing that I'm talking about, all this nostalgia yesterday and some of the stuff I'm going to play today, the good old days of AM Top 40 radio and personalities. Uh, the people around today, they just have, they, the younger people didn't grow up in that culture. So all they want to hear is the goddamn music. Right? 
Right. They want to either hear Howard talking. We're not talking about you, Howard. Howard Sperm talking about uh, boobs, or uh, you know, or they want to hear the music. And there's not too much in between. That's it. Are you sure? I think so. Twenty till ten at five sixty WQM. Catherine Harris moves into first place in the early returns with three votes. And you know something? If she doesn't win the poll, she'll fix it. You know what you make me want to do, Catherine? Kill some people. Yeah, that's what you make me want to do, you bitch. You smelly bitch with your $3 million over there in Sarasota. You ought to take your money and you know what you ought to do with it, Catherine? Pick it up right. right. Boy, she makes my skin crawl. And her family is citrus barons, of course. Yeah. Part of the reason we all lost our trees. And lost our election, too, as a matter of fact. Bitch. 20 till 10 at 560 WQAM. I wonder if she could draw a picture of it for us. You know, Jeb's... Uh... Is there anybody out there who's not playing at VIPSportsbook.com? Is there any single person out there? Yes. What the hell's wrong with you? You're really missing out on a good sportsbook. I hear all these ads for all these other sportsbooks, including on this radio station. You better do some research before you hand all over your, your cash to some third-world sportsbook in some horrendous, grotesque place like Naranja. Let me help you out. VIPSportsbook.com is the only sportsbook to be unanimously endorsed by the industry watchdogs, unanimous meaning every one of them. They're Dutch-based, which means you can trust those Dutchmen, and one of the first online sportsbooks in the world. So if you go on the roll of a lifetime, you're always at that point wanting to be with the best sportsbook going, and that is beyond a shadow of a doubt, VIPSportsbook.com. With the football season swinging it, with that game that just barely got sold out for a Sunday, the Bills and the Dolphins and all the other big games, you went better be with VIPSportsbook.com. And don't forget, if you sign up online, you get yourself that 15% cash sign-up bonus, too. And don't forget, they also have the highest parlay uh, odds in the universe, up to 2,000 to 1. So get yourself signed up with VIPSportsbook.com and play at a book that's got some serious class. Call 1-866-VIP-BETS, B-E-T-S, or sign up online and get you that 15% sign-up bonus. VIPSportsbook.com, or you be the VIP. My, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. Q-A-Q-A-M. Yo, yo, let's rate more. Radio Big Shot, yes. that's how we pass the time away in the gay old jail of Oz. Oh. Condoleezza, Condoleezza, Chevron Mooley. With your funky yellow teeth so far apart. Kill some people. Condoleezza, Condoleezza, what you be doing? Get the old fascist black that token Schwarzer's dog. Is you dead cause you a high-toned boot-lip negro? Is you the blacky and your mammy who be smart? Does they like how you shine their shoes, Condoleezza? All the way you wash and park the whitest cars. Georgie Jr. said he trusts you, Condoleezza. To sell our allies on the greedy oil wall. But then he make you clean all House bathrooms, the tub, the sink, the toilet, and then scrub the floor. They tell you don't wear sandals, Condoleezza. Your cold chip toenails make them.
them all old, rich and few. Your nappy leg hair looks just like it be Velcro. The GOP want you to be their token stew. Yes. One day while you be flipping pancakes, you may realize that they're treating you just like your esterone. That's when your head will move from side to side, Condoleezza. It's a bush and rummy, they be cracker assholes. Yeah, last night Harry Belafonte was on Donahue and did a pretty good job on Condoleezza and or on uh, Colin Powell. Nice going there, Harry. Although Harry, of course, can barely talk. You know, he's got that, uh, that thing, whatever he's got. What is he got? He can barely speak. He can't sing anymore either? Uh, I don't think so. But at any rate, he did a nice job. He basically called them like uh, House Uncle Toms, things like that. So a couple of names we better add to the list. I see he's already got John Ascroft on there. We better also add, because on this list, Orrin Snatch. Don't you think? Somebody faxed me that. And he also has on here that drooling right-wing asshole from Texas, uh, Phil Grand. But I don't think enough people are even paying attention to who he is. Most of the assholes seem to be from Texas, like Tom DeLay. Phil Graham, not all of them. You got your Orrin Snatch, who's from Utah, one of them Mormon lickers. But at any rate, uh, and keep in mind, we're not including the president in this because he'd win hands down. Which politician do you despise the most? Hillary Clinton, 11. Catherine Harris, 9. Jeb Bush has got 9. <laughs> They're like in lockstep there. How do you like that? Each one of them got the same. Nine. Jew Lieberman, 7. Good. Excellent. <clears throat> See, the old Jews get upset with me when I talk about that. Too bad. He's obnoxious. He's disgusting. He's everything that Jews shouldn't be. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it. <clears throat> Ted Kennedy, three. Jesse Helms, three. Dick Army, two. Tom DeLay's got a pair. I, I, say, I, I apologize for that, but Tim LaHaye and Tom DeLay, don't they sound the same? And quite frankly, other than the spelling, it's basically the same person. Right-wing lunatic assholes on the fringe of humanity. Tom DeLay, two. Trent Lott's got a pair, and he's waving them around, too. Pom-poms. John Ascroft's already got two, and poor old Strom Thurmond, he's got none because they, they, uh, the, uh, Jesse Holmes is on her three. So just vent, let it out, when in doubt, let it out. Florida judge throws out conviction of boys accused of killing father. Oh! A judge yesterday threw out the convictions of two boys, ages 13 and 14, and the slaying of their father, who was bludgeoned with a baseball bat as he slept. Circuit Judge Frank Bell said the boys' rights were violated by the unusual and bizarre way prosecutors simultaneously presented two contradictory theories of the crime. Of course, that asshole Dan Abrams on MSNBC, he was telling us, oh, this happens all the time. There's nothing unusual about this. That Dan Abrams, he's an asshole. There's another one for your asshole column. Man, is he an idiot. If MSNBC get his ass off there, they've been doing himself a big favor, along with that fat Jerry Nachman. I'm serious. He's just, oh, he's brutal. Anyway, prosecutors won the conviction of Alex and Derek King last month by arguing that Derek swung the bat, but in a trial that ended a week earlier, they presented evidence that an adult friend of the boys committed the crime. The judge said a order of a new trial for the boys, and in the meantime will encourage the prosecution and defense to work out a deal. The brothers were facing prison terms of 20 years to life because they were tried as adults. They were convicted of second-degree murder without a weapon as well as arson for setting the house on fire to cover the crime. We're all ecstatic, said Linda Walker, the boy's maternal grandmother. I saw Derek smile. I think they're happy about it. Now they know they have hope. The brothers' lawyers argued that prosecutor David Rimmer 
committed prosecutorial misconduct for pursuing the contradictory theories. The boy's adult friend, convicted child molester Ricky Chavis, was acquitted, but the verdict was sealed until the boy's trial was over. Basically, what the prosecution was doing is, uh, well, if we can't convict this one, we'll convict them. You know, we'll get somebody. And they used the kids as witnesses against him, and it didn't work out. And they said, oh, yeah, well, you have to believe them because they're upstanding kids and they would never lie. And then in their trial, the guy, this Rimmer guy says, oh, yeah, they're a couple of liars. Something stinks in this trial, you know what I'm saying? So thank God the judge, even up there in Pensacola, this Yahoo judge had enough sense to say, I don't think so, okay? Damn it. You know it was that uh, pervert, that uh, Chavis guy. What was the, the new term for that kind of guy? Oh, it's a tadpoling. He was a tadpoler. Tadpoling? Yeah, that's... Uh, Where did that come from? It's just a new thing they were throwing out there on court TV. See, I have to... It's just like Chicken Hawk. Chicken Hawk right. used to mean like like somebody like him was Chicken Hawk. But uh, now Chicken Hawk, of course, means uh, Don Rumsfeld and all those other right-wing lunatics. Oh, President Exactly, right. Man. Look at that. Hillary... <laughs> what a... You know... The other night I talked about uh, Chris Matthews, and he did a great job. I, I don't like Chris Matthews ordinarily, but I got a whole new attitude. Maybe he's not so bad. He did a good job there with John McCain at uh, Fordham. And at any rate, they were, you know, he's asking him a bunch of different questions, and he asked him, do you think Hillary Clinton will be running? Do you think she should run for president? And, of course, McCain, you know, being the Republican to begin with, and he's not going to get involved. And once Chris Matthews mentioned that, man, those, I thought they were going to have another riot in that crowd. They were booing and hissing and, like, psychotic. Those college students. Who doesn't hate her? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't get it. The only reason that she won by a landslide in New York in the Senate election is because she was running against that putz, that little twerpy putz who was making all those uh, sexist and idiotic comments, you know, and was very condescending. Rick, uh, what was his name? Rick Azar. Rick, oh. uh, I don't know what his name was. I don't know. And, no, and they didn't know either. Nobody knew who the hell he was. Out of mind. So she helped Gore win New York by a landslide. Of course, New York is one of those very few states that's becoming more and more democratic all the time. More and more. Because they have no choice. But at any rate, that's the only reason she won there. But she couldn't win a fixed election anyplace else. Let her come down here to Florida and see if she could win. Huh? Any chance? No. No chance. Hillary, get out of here. You crazy bitch. Wake up. This article is very disturbing. Should I give like a caution on this for people that are like weak emotionally? Okay. It's a column by Steve Dunleavy in yesterday's New York Post. He says, wake up, this terrorist is no native. And, of course, this is just his opinion, but this is his column. He writes a lot of good columns. He said, it's time to suspect the unthinkable, and the suspicion is this. Washington has been paralyzed by terrorists, terrorists working for a foreign organization that wants to destroy our country. There are credible experts who believe that a war has been visited on our breakfast table. It's a war that's as haunting as the massive slaughter of 9-11 was traumatic. The Washington area killings is a terrorist cell, no doubt about it, said Larry Johnson, a veteran CIA agent and State Department counterterrorism expert who we've seen on the talking hit shows a million times in the last year. Maybe it's not al-Qaeda, but it's in sympathy with them, he said. Larry was talking with a little edge in his voice. I keep on hearing these experts on TV saying that terrorists always leave their calling card taking credit for their monstrosities. Wrong. Fact. From 1990 to 1999, there were 3,400 terrorist attacks throughout the world, mainly against the Western world. Fact, some, some say 10% of those terrorist attacks are ones that some group took credit for. Fact, I believe it's about 1% that took credit. You take credit way after the fact. There are some terrorist groups that take credit for some things they didn't even do. But the worst thing right now is that I believe this is a terrorist cell. It's an aversion to tie up for all law enforcement with this thing that's stopping the city and then come up with something that's even more terrible. 
Johnson, who heads an international security company called Berg Associates, is quite confused that nobody links this bloodbath in Washington with a global terror campaign going on around the world. The atrocities in Washington, Yemen, the Middle East, and Asia, he believes, are all connected. We have a French tanker blown up in Yemen. We have an American Marine killed in Kuwait, and yet there's another shooting against our Marines. There's a horrific bombing terrorist attack in Bali, Indonesia. This is all happening at the same time the sniper is stalking D.C. and its suburbs. Hello, he says. Neil Livingstone of Globe Operations, the Washington-based security conglomerate, has written nine books on terrorism. He was the first person to get a doctorate in terrorism in 1977. I asked Livingstone about the tarot card in the note which uh, was left with said, Dear Policeman, I am God. This guy's like someone pretending to be a disordered mind, he said. The tarot card was a total throw-off. I'm not an investigator, know nothing about psychiatry, says Steve Dunleavy, but having traveled the globe more times than I can afford, I can say for sure that a homegrown urban terrorist doesn't write that way. Yes, you're right. It's double respect, said Livingstone. Great respect for the police, great respect for authority, a good fingerprint of what these guys are all about. Bottom line, I have Indian, Pakistani, Arab, and Israeli friends who are pathological about calling me Mr. or Dear. If when the shooter is caught, if he's not a foreigner, I will bear my derriere in Macy's window. How do you like that? Rectum. Steve Dunleavy says if this guy turns out not to be a foreigner, if this turns out not to be part of some terrorist cell, he'll bear his fat ass right in Macy's window. Let's hope they let him. <clears throat> oh, they probably would. Get a hell of a crowd, I'll tell you that. Look at Hillary just run away from the pack. <laughs> oh, the only way we could have given her any competition, I guess, is put Mo on there. But can't put a, can't fi figure out a way to get him on this one. Which politician, other than the president, of course, because he's in a special category, do you despise the most? Which of this group? 109 votes already. Hillary 28. Jeb 16. Catherine Harris 16. We can't separate those two. You notice? <laughs> They tried. They tried turning a hose. They on can't him. separate them. They tried with a crowbar. Couldn't get them apart. Jeb has got 16. Catherine Harris 16. And the good news is, Julie Lieberman's got 16. John Ascroft's got nine. Ted Kennedy seven. Tom Delay five. Jesse Helms five. Trent uh, Lott four. <coughs> Dick Army two. Strom Thurmond's got one. And Orrin Snatch. He don't have any. <laughs> Isn't that a shame? He's small potatoes now, I guess. Poor old Orrin Snatch. Nobody pays much attention to him. 9.56, he, he's too busy studying out those blowjobs, you know, back from Penisgate. He's still working on that. Isn't he the Mormon? Yeah, from Utah. With the underwear? He, oh, does he wear magic underwear, do you think? The temple garments, they're called. Now you're going to piss off the Mormons again. You've been driving away our Mormon audiences down to like seven or eight people out there now. Keep picking on that. No, seriously, you're going to be picking on the uh, Mormons. Now, who's it going to be next? You've already driven away most of the Jews. Then he's working on the Mormons. All we're going to have left is a bunch of uh, right-wing spicks. What does this say? I've been dedicated nearly since 86. I moved to Los Angeles in 98. Continued listening to the show on the Internet. Recently accepted a new job, which will interfere with my live listening. I'm interested in recording the show off Internet to my hard drive. Do you know if there's a program that can do this? I don't. You don't? Well, save that for uh, Carlos, our computer expert. When he comes in, I'll save that. And maybe you can uh, email the guy or fax the guy or do something. Do something, okay? Did do he something. Did all those bits in yesterday? He did what? Look at those uh, the long list of bits he put in there yesterday. Carlos put in there? Well, yeah. I heard today he's going to come in and kill some people. 957 at 560 WQAM. Hey, if you love your house but it just have enough uh, room for you to do all the things you want to do, here's the answer. Do what hundreds of other smart people are doing. Call Strictly Editions. 
Whether you're having a baby, wanted, or surprise, and need another room, if you're converting your carport or patio into living space, if you went into business for yourself and want to make a home office, call these great people at Strictly Additions. They're your one-stop shop. More space for your place place with an absolutely positively worry-free approach to expanding your living space. Those no-shows by the contractors ain't going to happen. No chance of any incomplete work, no unexpected bills, no worries about the job not getting done right, and they take care of every single stinking last detail. They drop your blueprints, they get the building permits, handle all the inspections, too. Strictly Additions has got that easy five-step approach to total customer satisfaction. Follow the bouncing ball now. First, they call to schedule a free project evaluation appointment at your home where a project estimator will determine the scope of your addition. Second, they schedule a bid appointment in their convenient showroom for you where you'll get a detailed proposal and an exact price for your work right to the penny. Third, select your finishing touches, go to contract. Fourth, review the design, the architectural drawings. And then fifth, sit back and relax with a big smile on your puss as your dream edition moves ahead on schedule with unbeatable quality. It's as easy as falling off a log. So give Strictly Editions a call at 954-791-8100. They're licensed, they're insured, and they really care about doing a super job for you. Look for their ad in the yellow pages. They serve all of Broward and South Palm Beach County. Be sure and tell them that Neil and Petey Lenny and George told you to call 954-791-8100 for Strictly Editions. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Friday, you bastards. Welcome back to the Howard David Show, where we run a clean family type of, what do you call it there, show here. No homo talk about queers like that juke bag kike that follows me. I ain't going to make the same goddamn mistake Soupy Sales made. What? What are you? You remember when he told the kids to put their hands in their parents' thing? Oh, yeah, vividly. No, we're going to talk sports here, with a little humor based on the comedy stylings of Jack Boom Boom Carter. Oh, yeah. Say, ain't it a beautiful day in paradise, huh? Paradise? Why, sure. Better than New York. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you're from New York, right? Ah, I'm from Canarsie. All right, pipe down. I just flipped my wig again. So, what'd you come down here for? Well, I, I had to. Besides, uh, this right here. This is paradise. I guess I can say I kind of miss New York. Why? Dad, don't you want to go back sometime? I, uh, I, I can't go back. How come? Well, they told me in no uncertain times. Uh, let's not get into that right now. <laughs> that sounds familiar. So, uh, you, you hear the news? Huh? I said, have you heard the news? No. They're going to suspend that little hostile Julio. That's right. They ought to let that little spick bastard go. What did he do? I just don't like him. Uh, ain't that good enough? A little over the top, don't you think? Are you arguing with me? No. Do you know who I am? Certainly. I got the power of Greg Reed behind me. Come on, take it easy. I want to fire them all. Now, will you? You. Huh? You're fired, too. Huh? Get out of my place of business. This ain't your place of business. Why, you, why, you? you're not sick. Ow! 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 He's just like a Timex watch. He takes a licking and keeps on uh, squealing, uh, ticking. 104 at 560 WKM. Here's a fax from uh, some poor listener who lives in Texas now. We send him our uh, sympathies. Why are there so many Hillary haters? This poor lady can't give a proper BJ, so her husband has to seek them elsewhere. The Stone Princess, I think, is what he's talking about. Neil, please pray for me. As you just mentioned, a lot of people on the poll are from Texas. I live here now. Listen to you on the web daily. 
The place is so bad that the top story on last night's 10 o'clock news was that the Reverend Billy Graham is in town. Oi! Is what it says. The Democrats here hide in shame. It's more disgraceful than Moe's toupee. I'm a huge fan from way back. Thanks for being on here. Oh, yeah, does George still hang out at the Coliseum? What's the Coliseum? I don't know. I have no idea. The one in Rome? I guess. Yeah, we're going to throw it to the Lions at about uh, 1.30 this afternoon. Because if there's one thing we want to do before we finish the week, it's... Kill some people. Why not? <laughs> sure. 160 votes on that poll. Hillary's got 36. Which politician on this list do you despise the most? Which one just makes your skin crawl, your blood boil, makes you want to puke your guts out every time you see them? Hillary's got 36. I have no problem with that. She just, she's annoying. She has no credentials, no qualifications. Right. She didn't. She's not. Now, it's one thing to be a carpetbagger, okay? There've been plenty of politicians who've been carpetbaggers. But if, if you know what you're doing, if you know something, she knows nothing. Oh no, she's been a very effective senator. Right. She's mm -hmm. offensive to look at. She's offensive to think about. That's what Bubba said. Hillary's got 36. Jeb Bush 25. Just edged ahead of Catherine. Catherine Harris and Julie Lieberman tied 24. They're in a uh, uh, full Nelson. Ted Kennedy, 13. John Ascroft has moved up very fast. We just put his name on her. He's already got 13. I bet she's got more now. 14, like I said. I love it when it changes in midstream because then it gives me an opportunity to go back to the top and read them all over again. Uh, Kennedy, 14. Ascroft, 14. Tom DeLay's got eight. Jesse Helms, six. Dick Armey's got four. Probably Barney Fagg voted a couple of times. Trent Lott's got four. Strom Thurmond, two. And Orrin Snatch got one. Oh! I think there's two or, uh, R's in his first name, aren't there? I'm not really sure. I don't know. I don't know. We're not going to worry about spelling, okay? There's only one orange snatch. <laughs> there's only, uh, I shouldn't say that. 10.06 at 5, well, because there's uh, there you got Diane Feinstein, and you got, uh, who's the other one from California? Barbara Boxer, and who's starting her own rebellion, by the way, is what I'm hearing. Vatican rejects U.S. clerical abuse policy, saying revisions necessary. This uh, This is just so amazing to me. That freaking damn pope. Boy, does he have a lot of chutzpah. Yes, he does. The Vatican uh, today rejected the U.S. Roman Catholic Church's new sexual abuse policy, saying the sweeping zero-tolerance crackdown needed to be revised because elements conflict with universal church law. In other words, to hell with your law and the law everybody else has to abide by. We got universal church law. We got that canon law. Just ask uh, Frank Cannon. Oh, he's dead? While supporting the U.S. bishop's efforts to stamp out clergy abuse, the Vatican said the policy contained provisions that were difficult to reconcile with church law, were difficult to interpret, and left open procedural questions that needed to be resolved. In other words, that's what they said. For these reasons, it's been judged appropriate before the recognitio Vatican approval can be granted. A further reflection on and revision of the norms and the charter are necessary, the Vatican response said. The response signed by Cardinal Giovanni Battista Rey head of the Congregation of Bishops, proposed the creation of a joint U.S.-Vatican Commission to revise the policy. The U.S. bishops adopted the plan in June after all that big good talk and pony show they put on in response to enormous public pressure that they take a tough stance against abusive clergy and stem the scandal that has shaken many American Catholics' faith in church leadership in those freaking pedophiles. Victims groups responded to word yesterday that the Vatican would reject elements of the policy, said the response showed the Vatican was more concerned about protecting offending priests than minors, and that they got their thumb right on it. That's exactly what it's all about. Covering up for the priest. That's all they give a crap about. In a letter released with Ray's response, Bishop Wilton Gregory, head of the U.S. Conference of uh, Catholic... You know what they ought to do with him is take him to Wilton Manors. That would serve him right. Head of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops said he was happy to accept the proposal for a mixed commission to reflect further on and consider revision of some of the norms. Gregor was to give a press conference later today in Rome. 
The Vatican letter gave no specifics of the provisions that it found troubling. However, it was clear that certain aspects of the American zero-tolerance policy were to blame. Right. Among other things, the U.S. policy requires dioceses to remove priests from church work once a credible allegation is made, and in some instances from the priesthood itself. Ever since it was adopted, Vatican officials and American church law experts have said the norms might violate church law because they would deprive accused priests of their due process rights. Well, you know what I say? Screw them. Screw these damn perverts. Speaking of perverts, by the way, how come nobody has factored a note they probably don't know about? Harold Ballard, former lunatic owner of the Toronto Maple Leafs, come to find out that he was also a proposition to young boy Maple Leaf Gardens. They had that big scandal up there where a lot of the ushers and other people were doing hanky-panky with those kids. With those miners in Maple Leaf Gardens, the ushers, well, come to find out that Harold Ballard himself, who was a lunatic, a maniac, destroyed the franchise, uh, did everything evil, evil. He was an evildoer, an evildoer. But the good news is he's dead. That's the good news. And like I said, before we get done here today, some of these evildoers in the world, one thing we're going to make sure we do is kill some people before we leave at 1 o'clock. We got the mad dog at 1. Hank is on for a full, you know, baseball season's over, so I guess I don't have to make a big deal of that full four hours every day. Hank, 3 to 7, he told me he's been doing calisthenics to uh, bone up for it. Dave wants that, 5.30 to 6.30. We got the Hooters College football preview with Joe Z and Josh Darrow, 7 to 10. No wonder Clarence was in there early working feverishly over his desk. Do you see him in there? Yes. I didn't even want to interrupt him. He was just pouring over stuff on the Internet. It looked like porno to me. Eddie K at 10 and ESPN Radio Overnight. He was uh, banging away in there. Ten minutes after 10 at 560 WQM. For years, you've heard me talk about delights of West Boca, what a great job they do for you, and how they can help you lose some of that weight on the Atkins diet. A lot of you people are on the Atkins, and for many people, it works. It gets the job done because it's a low-carb. See, one thing when they talk about diets on these stupid shows like on Channel 4, they don't make the, they don't differentiate between refined carbohydrates and unrefined natural carbohydrates. So this business, like lumping it all together like potato chips, is the same as goddamn asparagus. I'm sorry. You assholes at Channel 4. Anyway, Atkins works for a lot of people. And if you want to stuck up on all the great products for Atkins diets, this is one complete store that's geared just for you. Delights of West Boca. Can you imagine a little low-carb, no-fat, delicious scoop of ice cream on a hot day like today? I can imagine it. How about over a 1,000 low-carb or no-sugar products just ready for you to taste? Because at Delights of West Boca, you can always try it before you buy it. And at Delights, it's 25% off on all Atkins products all the time, from candy to cookies, snacks, breads, vitamins, that great uh, pasta sauce with almost no carbs at all. Delights of West Boca's got it all with more great stuff arriving every single day of your life. Delights of West Boca, you'll find them on the northeast corner of Glades and 441 in Boca. They're open every day till 10 o'clock, seven days a week. You can call them at 1-877-LOW-CARB or check them out on that wicked World Wide Web if you like at lowcarb.com. Live and local, this is 560. The radio's all yours now. QAM. Chamberlain, rate me. What's your radio program? Hi, everybody. This is Alan Freed. Back in 1951 in Cleveland, we coined a phrase that became the biggest pop musical era in the world. The words rock and roll. And this is Roscoe in stereo on the go for great 98. Jim Lonsberry here from Murray this week. And this is a place if you're tired of being uh, bombarded and screamed at by those other radio stations. What other radio stations? <laughs> W-O-R-F-M. Sounds like your kind of radio. Join me, Brother John, and we'll all be part of a new breed of people-to-people radio called Love. Coming any day now to WABC-FM. 
Stereo. WABC FM, New York's medium with a message. This is news from the Contemporary Radio Network, and I'm Bruce Brown in New York. This is WINS, all news, all the time, and I'm Charles Edwards. 66 degrees and sunny at 5 o'clock. This is WNEW News, up to the minute, Jim Donnelly reporting. It's 20 minutes before 6, this is Dan Thompson, WORFM 2020 News. From all over the world, east, west, north, and south, news from FM, from the American FM Radio Network. Hi, ho, hey, hey, shoo, Wrigley, Spearman, come back. At 22 till 6 o'clock, it's power time. Let's give away a sweatshirt to Cheryl Lorna Torrey. Name it and claim it. Call me right now. First group anywhere. Call Plaza 29944 here in the city. You name it, you win it. Name it and claim it. Call me right now. The Super Dan, the fifth dimension, number 11. It is now 17 to 6, 543 with me, Triple D. It's four seasons. Number 15, come on, Marianne. Two weeks ago, good guy, sure shot. Come on, Dandy Dan. Play the music that people want to hear. Four minutes of the music you want to hear are heard on Fun Radio. 101 minutes of nonstop music. This is Stereo 101, WCBS FM. ORFM presents the number one song of the 60s. Hey, and from midnight till 6 in the morning, it's your Charlie Greer Show on WABC, the station with music power. Denison, a men's clothier, Route 22, Union, New Jersey, open 10 a.m. to 5 the next morning, says... Hello again, here's my best Are your skies all gray? I hope they're blue. Kill some people. in the morning right now, everybody. 20 minutes to 7. 20 minutes to 7. Don't forget, Roby Young starts at 1 o'clock today. 7.25. Fred Foy in the news and a lot of news for you this New Year's morning. Then all the way with HOA till 10. News five minutes sooner from WABC New York. This is Fred Foy. Wednesday now, 7 p.m. Time for the Big M. Bruce Morrow. Tonight... From Ravenhall Pool at Coney Island, here's Bruce. How you doing, cousin? Oh, you know it. We've got a load of cousins here. Everyone's ready to go. We're going to be giving out a lot of prizes. We've got a lot of albums. We've got hundreds and hundreds of our cousins here. We're live from beautiful Coney Island, Ravenhall Pool. What do you say we start dancing right now? Cousins here in our beach party. We'll mix the old with the new. Here's Bobby right there. Like, do it again. I think it's time to write back to Uptown to WINS and Radio Circle. Dick, uh, Dick Pancake. I'm Dick Waffles waiting for us there. I'll be back in five on the beach party. Nobody move. You're captured. Lynn's Communications presents The Sound of You. On the spot when news is hot. A wind news center is on the air. Keep your radio on. Let's have a big party. W-I-N-S. We can sing and have fun to wonderful music. Hello there, Jolly Holiday here. Good morning, this is Jack Lacey. This is Napoleon the 14th. Uh-huh. I'm utterly mad about Cousin Brucey. Ho, ho, he plays my record. He, he, he played it first. I know he did. He said he did. I
Hiya, Dan. Boy, I'll tell you, the crowd is really restless. They're yelling down there on Park Avenue, we want the Beatles. Uh-huh. And I got news, everybody down there on Park Avenue and listening to WABC, WA Beatles C, Paul and Ringo. Paul and Ringo will be with us in a few minutes. I just want to ask, would, would you like it if for the rest of the show we played nothing but Beatles records? Okay, you got a deal right here. Beatles music on your England playing room on 77 Radio, New York Town. The Beatles Ringo is here. Ringo is here on WABC. We're in the Pepsi generation. This is WABC, the station New York is twisting to. Channel 77. Oh, yeah. 18 minutes before 5 o'clock, 71 WABC degrees. Let's twist right now with a peppermint twist. Mr. Joey D and the Starlight is doing it for you right here in your Dan Ingram playing room. Hey, you, Kim Wasabi. Let's go, man. Hey, you stand by, Kim Wasabi, on the flip side of another first edition from Action Central News. We got the Doe Bells. They're going to be doing the Bristol stop for you right here on WABC, right? The City Island to Clifton to Baldwin, 25 million people. Blanketed by WABC, New York. Time for weekend news from ABC Radio, brought to you by Winston and the 1962 Rambler. This is Arthur Van Horn. Oh, those are the willows who are out of the past, and church bells may ring. Riding us right up to news time on WMGM New York. Babalu with you on the landslide. Babalu here. We'll look for in the other side of news, and we got big sounds coming your way from the mystics on... WMGM New York. Sky with you setting the die variable people versus for the past time. Slide rolling. 77 WABC. Dollar gold is shine so bright. The Beatles to sing it a hard day's night. This is Sun Trust and Chariot. This is Babalu. And this is WABC FM 95, New York. My name's Babalu. This is the Lewis and Clark Expedition on CBS FM. And these are the doors. Bob Lewis for Dennis Elsis on WNEW FM, Metro Media Stereo in New York. <laughs> WCBS FM, New York. Yo, is it here? Bobby Wren on the radio. This is Murray Care, Simon the Chee, and as the fifth Beatle, I am delighted to bring you the pick of the week, baby. Paul does it. And I love her. Telling you from the bottom of my heart. I've got big news for you. Now, you know that we uh, are very close with the Beatles, and it's nothing that uh, is going to get you upset, all you Beatles fans, but John Lennon, as a personal favor, asked me to bring over a group that is really turning England upside down. Now, you may not have heard of them. The name is the Rolling Stones. They've got hair longer than the Beatles. We're going to present them in their very first 
U.S. appearance at Carnegie Hall. As I was saying, you're listening to the Dave Herman program on WABC FM in New York. <laughs> oh, too late. WPLJ 95.5 FM in New York. I almost said the wrong thing again. <laughs> uh, okay, well, this isn't what's supposed to happen here now, but uh, this is a term from the past. Here we go. This is Rick Sklar with news briefs five minutes sooner from WABC Radio. This hour, you will see these super pickets in front of WABC. Herb Oscar Anderson. Ron Lundy. Ron Lundy. Dan Ingram. Bruce Morrow. Chuck Leonard. With your leader, VMR, on the wide, wide, weird world. And stand by. You could be a winner of the musical love letters contest. Maybe. Here's one right now. These are the ship on. It's the sixth annual WABC Principal of the Year election. Marshak here, and you know, we've been getting some phone calls. The uh, switchboard downstairs has been inundated regarding some speculating that uh, Robbie Young was doing earlier this morning regarding Paul McCartney. If you were listening, you're aware of it. But please be assured that those speculations are untrue. They are untrue. Please don't call, all right? Hey, babe, this is it. In the case, we want to tell you to stand by for Mad Daddy on yours truly, WINS, the GreeZoopDSW, Group W Station, Westinghouse, broadcasting for New York. Good night, baby. From the little radio station around the corner and up your block, the Mad Daddy Show. All right, Mad Daddy here, the Monday scene. Another week is moving on. You heard it up the cover in one Nana Hummer. That's the wind's premier sound. It ain't a square record because we only play round. Take your daddy's advice now and turn the lights down low. We'll come with something nice on the Monday Show. It is the sound you can use. A kissy face song. To chase your Monday blues. Ruby and the Romantic, 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 Romantic. The group W Station Western House, Bird Jason for New York, York, and this is Mad Daddy, 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 Daddy. Stand by for you. First, 
Plant and Factual from the WINS News Center. Okay, so that was Bob Dayton's last uh, broadcast on WABC when he did that uh, Hiroshima 20th anniversary and played Happy Birthday, baby. Bye-bye. That was it. I guess they were a little bit touchy, huh? I guess. Could be. So there's uh, from New York, okay, which is a suburb according to a guilty of Buffalo. You know what he said? New York City's a suburb, and Boston's a suburb of Buffalo. And I guess living in Toronto part of the year, I'm living in a suburb of Buffalo. Am I right? Absolutely correct, sir. 1028 at 560 WQAM. If you want to have a great time this weekend, head on out for Pompano Park, where we're doing it. Not only great live harness racing, three nights a week, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, but now the sixth floor dining room is open with great, delicious gourmet food for you. That's right. Enjoy any one of Chef Kirk Lede's nightly specials or pick your own choice of fresh seafood, great mouth-watering steaks, or scrumptious desserts from the menu. The Top of the Park restaurant not only offers excellent food, but it's located six stories high, so, you know, if you really plunge your guts out, you can jump. And you're right over the racetrack, so you'll miss one second of the great racing action. What? Oh, we're always talking about going to the roof. That's hey, after the last race. That's right. Pompano Park open for live racing, like I said, three nights a week, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Gates open at 6 p.m. And don't forget the new earlier post time for the first race, 7.15. And this season, also even more exciting than that, free clubhouse and free grandstand admission all season long. And as always, free general parking, too. Every Wednesday night is still Donald night at Pompano Park with draft beer, hot dogs, sodas, popcorn, even large pretzels, only a buck apiece. Pompano Park in Pompano Beach, a block south of Atlantic Boulevard on Powerline Road. Don't forget, racing tonight starting 7.15 in the p.m. Friday, you bastards. Oh, I don't know what it is about them, their whiny little voices, or their big noses, those goofy hats, tiny little schmeckles. I don't know, they just they just rub me the wrong way. Anti-Semitism lives in every speech of love every gifts, it's in the news. Boy, Hillary hates Jews. Spewing hatred through the halls, busting people's matzo balls, it's in the news. Hates Jews. You won't catch her lighting a menorah. No. God, she must have a wonderful aura. When she speaks, I wanna cry. She could use a good rabbi. It's in the news. Hillary hates Jews. 10:33 at 5:60. Tommy's taking over. He just came in and said, "I'm doing the rest of the show today, so you guys can have the weekend off." He's taking over the whole goddamn place, unless they start drilling again on the second floor, in which case he's going to throw a Schmidt fit. And I don't blame you. That was good going the other day. I think you were the one because they won't listen to me anymore. I'm just, you know, I'm old news. But you were just frantic and screaming and hysterical and throwing crap and just. Uh, I really liked it when he picked up old freaky Carlos and threw his ass right against the wall. It was great. Anyway, woman gets prison time. He said he wouldn't touch his ass. And who the hell would? Woman gets prison time for forging prescriptions. Somebody just faxed this to me. Now, it may not be that important to us unless you, there's at the end there's a little note on here, and he's right. A 47-year-old woman who attempted to fill a dead woman's prescription was sentenced to one to three years in state prison in Boston Spa, New York. Where the hell is that? Is that a suburb of Buffalo? Isn't everything? Sheila May was arrested in August after she called a pharmacy to get a prescription refilled for a woman who died the week before. May was sentenced Thursday. The pharmacist recognized the name of the deceased, took the order, and called police. The Saratoga County DA's office said, I guess we know where it is now. A man appeared at the pharmacy saying he was there to pick up the prescription, prosecutor said. Police talked to the man who agreed to bring the bottle of hydrocodone, a narcotic painkiller, to May, prosecutor said. 
May pleaded guilty August 9th to fourth-degree attempted criminal possession of a controlled substance of felony. Within two weeks of her plea, she was arrested for forging another prescription so she could receive more pills. Prosecutors said one to three years in state prison. And the North the end says, I guess her father isn't governor. Absolutely correct, sir. Right. Good point. Here's a fax from listener George with a G. It says, "Good morning, George and Neil. Hope you have a great weekend. Finally, a whiff of some cooler air. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't oh, know. This morning, it. when you went to the car, you didn't feel it. I don't go to the car because it's in my uh, garage. I see. Oh yeah, very nice this morning. All Refreshing. I know is yes. Yesterday afternoon, I was swearing at Brian Norcross more than usual because he was talking about, oh, look at the uh, the heat index is so much. So felt hot and humid to me, man. It felt you could uh, roast no, marshmallows on the sidewalk. Then really, this morning, oh. I didn't feel it." Anyway, it says, the reason I'm writing this, have you seen the cover of the Rolling Stone this week, October, October 31 edition? No. Well, why not? Where's your Where's your magazine guy that's supposed know. to hey, keep Bill. you going? Yeah, get where with it, you, Bill. Bill. Shakira, Mary J. Blige, and Brittany on the cover. And check out the positioning of Brittany's belt. It says the way it dangles down. Great stuff. Remember that thing we were watching? Yes. That Shakira must have been and... her, remember, because I didn't know who the Sparkle was. Well, that was, was Mary J. Blige. Shakira. That'd be, that'd be Mary J.? I still don't know who that is. Anyway, it says, but she's a virgin, so I'm sure it was just incidental, the fact that her belt was uh, dangling. Hey, Moa Hairhead, it says, I hope the Mad Dog takes a leak in your hair helmet this Sunday. <laughs> and go Utica. Oh, Utica, that's the suburb of Buffalo, ain't it? Yeah. yeah. Speaking of that. Yes? The voice of the station says, do, 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 do. Now, who was that? Our uh, announcer that does all the IDs and the rejoins. And oh, Fruity Sounding Tommy said that? No, no, no. Didn't sound like the Mr. Him. Announcer guy that does all the IDs. Oh, that guy do, said do, that. Do, do, do. Oh, I don't know. He's pretty good, but he's got a lot of. Do, 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 yeah, long way to go to catch up to that. Now, speaking of Hillary and that bit we just played moments ago before I interrupted myself, uh, they hate her. 258 votes. Which politician do you despise the most? Swillery's got 62. In fact, like I said, Jeb Bush has got 42. He's moving up on her ass. Jew Lieberman, 41. Catherine Harris, 38. Ted Kennedy, 26. John Ashcroft, 21. Tom DeLay, 10. Jesse Helms, 9. Trent Lott, 6. Dick Army be having 5. Strom Thurmond, 4. And Orrin Snatch is moving up a little bit. He's edging. He's got 3. This story makes me want to gag. And by the way, that thing I played, the, that New York montage, which we enjoy tremendously here. If you didn't like it, that's my suggestion, because I have more stuff coming a little bit later on from all over the country. Because not everybody's from New York. That may come as a shock to some of New Yorkers out there. But I thought that was great. I liked it a lot. I mean, not everybody was on there, but you had like Jack Spector and Murray the K and uh, Cousin Brucey, who's really... He's an asshole. Yeah. Robbie Young. Robbie Young was on there. Like I said. He's an asshole. Dead one. Boy. We could tell you a lot of Robbie Young stories, but we better not. I only have one. Adults and kids brawl at football game. Let's get back to this American story. It's the All-American Way, baby. Pico River, California. Two men were arrested yesterday for allegedly kicking a man in the head repeatedly in a videotaped brawl that erupted after a weekend youth football game. Joe Serracho, 32, and his brother Gino, 25, were booked on charges of assault with a deadly weapon, said L.A. County Sheriff's Lieutenant Al Grotefend. The deadly weapon was at their, was their feet, he said. Their feet would be the deadly weapon. The fight involving about 25 children, teenagers, and adults occurred Saturday immediately after a San Gabriel Valley Junior All-American Football Conference game in the suburb just east of L.A. Authorities said no one was hospitalized, and I'm sure some of you, many of you, have seen those tapes over and over and over again on your little TV sets. More arrests are expected, Grotefend said. The brothers are being held in lieu of half a million dollars bail. A review of videotape made by a bystander led to the brothers' arrests. They had us way outnumbered, team parent Desi Tubbs told uh, KCBS-TV they separated anybody who wanted to get in there to stop the fight and beat them up. It was about five or six guys. 
The president of one of the teams, Dick Engels, said he saw a nine-year-old girl hit. Angles himself was shown on the video being knocked down, and he appeared on TV Wednesday with a deep cut over the bridge of his nose. Some parents complained there had been heavy drinking by adults during the game. <laughs> oh, that couldn't be part of the problem, could it? As Uncle Neil has been asking for many years, how many beers does it take to enjoy a sporting event? Huh? Does anybody have an answer? No. No. Five. Remember Fat, uh, what was his name that's dead now? They used to come to the hockey games all the time. Clemenza? No, no. What the hell was his name? Out of sight, out of mind, with the uh, big red face. Andy. Oh. Yeah. We used to bring the beers back like three at a time. You know, one for you, right. two for me, that kind of thing. He's, now he's dead. Linda Lane, conference president of the Youth Football League, confirmed yesterday that two teams from the San Gabriel Valley program were involved in the brawl. Had no further comment, of course. He's mum. The fight occurred immediately after a game between teams from Poco Rivera and nearby Downey. Oh, that explains it. Aberrant behavior by parents. Using and abusing their children so they can, like, say, hey, my kid's better than your kid, my kid's, whatever. And I'm going to show you, and if you don't believe me, I'll just beat the crap out of you. In fact, some of these people, I think, get so plastered that it's a miracle that more of these folks don't go to a game with the strict intention of kill some people. Yeah. Maybe that's what they went there for, like that hockey dad. Let's talk some hockey. What do you say? No. How about those make-believes, huh? Trevor Kid still sucks. See, we could play Phoenix every night. We'd be okay, I think. Anyway, 64 votes for Hillary, and Jeb is starting to move up on her ass, and Jew Lieberman's making a nice move. Oy. Nice going, Jew boy. He makes me nauseous, man. Like I said, he got my vote, and he'd get it every time. That's the only thing I'd vote for him for. I wouldn't vote for him for a dog catcher, because I'm a dog lover. I wouldn't want dogs anywhere. They might get tangled up in his tefillin. I think I'd do a good oh, job as a dog catcher. Man, what a wimpy, uh, ineffectual uh Phony, baloney, uh, right-wing, self-hating, uh, obnoxious, bush-licking. Uh... Live and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAM. It's dirty. Baby, launch a couple missiles. Yeah, yeah. Toward a place we know. And aim them at a fella. Whose first name begins with O. There's one thing we all understand. Al-Qaeda won't be finished until we blow up Pakistan. Kill some people. We could chase them around forever with our tanks and all our troops. Uh-huh. But special forces are so tired of jumping through them hoops. You know we need another plan So let's cut out all the nonsense And go blow up Pakistan Al-Qaeda needs a nuclear tan Why don't we stop Kill some people. Boom, boom. 1046 at 560 WQM. Now, George Tennant from the CIA, he says the other day that Al-Qaeda's organized again. They're getting ready to do another big thing, and it's uh, the, the danger is just as great as it was in the days and weeks before 9-11. That's exactly what he said. And the administration says, well, should we, uh, should we goose up that warning level again from yellow to orange? And they say, ah, no. no. And you want to know why? Because it doesn't do a goddamn thing? No. Too close to election time. Oh, 
Oh. See, if they increase that alert to orange now, it makes the public like, oh, like that, feel, oh, we're like unsafe. And maybe in this last year plus, we haven't really done a great effective job of combating terrorism that we probably should have in wiping out al-Qaeda, even though we're talking a big game and rattling our spears and going to go into Iraq alleged. We might just remind the public of that. So uh, they're going to resist at all costs trying to, like, goose that. Not, not that it has that much impact on most of us, but just, uh, you know. That not a much? Good. Do you know anybody that does anything different based on that? Are you kidding me? You have to be kidding me, mister. In fact, we got a lot of people out there, like the Nervous Nellies. They got the, uh, today is the uh, Amber Alert and the Orange Alert and the, uh, and the Blue Light Special. They got that all written down in various compartments, things like that. Well, that's a pretty ugly uh, T-shirt Miguel's wearing today, you know? It's a pumpkin. Oh, it's uh, a little early for that, though, and it's only the 18th. Save that for a couple of weeks. Maybe he's having some punky pie for lunch. Can Bush resuscitate little brother? I talked about this the other day. didn't get to it. It's too damn long. It's too long. Oh, it's by Howard Finan, and he wrote it for MSNBC. Hey, little brother, happy birthday. George W. Bush chirped into his cell phone as his driver's Toyota bumped along the streets of Houston. This was in early 1994 when I accompanied Bush on one of his first trips through Texas as he prepared to run for governor. The fellow he was talking to was John Ellis Bush, Jeb. Did you know that? Up until this moment, I never knew that that was his name, John Ellis Bush, Jeb. Then regarded as the Bush son most likely to follow dead into the White House. These days, Big Brother's calling again, but now the subject is more urgent, rescuing Jeb from political oblivion. Of all the races in all the places across the country this fall, none is more important to the president than getting little brother re-elected governor of Florida in his surprisingly tight race with Democratic attorney Bill McBride of Tampa, which is why uh, W. was down here again the other day. Electoral college arithmetic is one reason, of course, as he contemplates the presidential race of 2004. The president knows that Florida again promises to be the mother of all battles as close and contested as in 2000. And this time they might actually have to let some Schwarzers vote. His brother's presence in the governor's mansion in Tallahassee was a big help two years ago. For the Bush White House, there's no worse nightmare than having a Democrat, let alone a shrewd lawyer like Bill McBride, in the governorship. But in the Bush family, the only thing more important than politics is family. And Jeb Saga has turned from stellar promise to personal, to political, and political anguish. New polls show him in a virtual tie with McBride. The 2000 election has made him the Democrats' national enemy number one. His daughter, Noelle, is facing a humiliating public hearing on charges that she violated the terms of her drug rehab program. And since this was written, by the way, is cooling her heels for 10 days in jail. Little brother, it turns out, wasn't the lucky brother. Back in the early 90s, the smart money and the family's hopes rode with Jeb. He was the tall and lanky son, which matters to the Bushes. Founding father, Prescott, Ike's golfing partner, was 6'4". He was the son of a Phi Beta Kappa Key from the University of Texas, through, although, uh, through which he raced in two and a half years. He was the son who spoke mellifluous Spanish, and he, not George, was the apple of the mother's discerning and ambitious eye for power. Jeb had everything but destiny on his side. Eldest brother George had first dibs on the state to try to call his own and choose, uh, chose Texas, which through the 80s began to rise as a base and anchor of new, more conservative Republican Party. Jeb, with fewer schoolboy ties to Texas, chose as his center of operations, Florida, which has turned into the San Andreas Fault of American politics. <laughs> I love it. The San Andreas Fault of American politics. Well, it ain't our fault. In fact, you guys in there, it's your fault. You spicks. When they both ran for governor in 1994, the conventional wisdom was that Jeb would win and W would lose. Jeb was an office holder and was a smooth campaigner, but he ran a philosophically indistinct campaign against a once-in-a-generation Florida phenomenon, former governor and senator Lawton Childs. The he-coon. Meanwhile, in Texas, George W. was being schooled in the new conservative themes, and he stuck to them in a plotting but disciplined way to topple a complacent incumbent, Ann Richards. On election night, Barbara Bush was reportedly more disappointed that Jeb had lost than excited that Georgie had won. 
When Jab ran again in 1998, he did so as a full-bore conservative, and he faced a weaker candidate in Buddy McKay. How you doing, Buddy? <laughs> I covered that race, too, and remember the Bush family flocking south to help little brother save face, which he did. Since winning the White House, Bush has ordered Karl Rove, his political consigliere, to spare no effort to get Jebby reelected, even if doing so creates uh, risk-creating political complications elsewhere. The Bush White House has banned oil drilling off the coast of Florida, even while encouraging it elsewhere. It has funneled money to the Everglades Rescue Project. It has even kept the Pentagon Central Command in Tampa. And Rove recently blocked an effort by GOP farm state senators to open Cuba to American grain shipments, a move opposed by Florida's virulently anti-Castro Cuban exile community. Farm state GOP candidates were furious. Jeb nevertheless finds himself in a tight race with McBride, who is as close to a dream candidate as the Democrats in Florida could find. He has no Clinton baggage to speak of. He has a southern accent, good for hunting votes in the panhandle. He was opposed by party liberals, also good for hunting votes in the panhandle. He's a decorated Vietnam vet, also good for hunting votes in the panhandle. Turnout won't be a problem in the Miami area counties where we was robbed mentality still boils two years after 2000. Not surprisingly, Jeb seemed unsettled when asked on NBC's Today show whether he wanted to seek the White House in 2008. It's been a much tougher road to hoe so far than he or anyone else expected. The presidency is far from his mind. He joked that he might just as well want to become a priest as president. He is, in fact, a convert to Catholicism and a devout one. I'm not sure he was speaking entirely in jest. I know him from interviews to be a soulful sort, given the kind of poetical introspection and doubt that's utterly foreign to his hard-charging, never-looking-back big brother. Between now and Election Day, the brother will have traveled to Florida at least twice. He was just here. He's already been there ten times since taking office. Ma and Pa have raised money there early and often. Cabinet members have flown in and out like so many snowbirds. Will it be enough to save Jeb? On election night, expect another big little brother call. For now, we can only imagine what they'll be saying. You know what I think? I hope they're going to be saying? Oy. Yeah. I don't know if uh, going from Texas say, Oy. but that's uh, what they ought to be saying. Because I think he's going to get his ass whooped. And, you know, they made a good point last night, I think. I forget which show it was on, one of the talking heads. How come wouldn't you think that if your daughter was in the trouble that Noel is in and if she was standing there in court facing a time in jail, which she got, and being taken away in handcuffs, wouldn't you think that the father would be there? I would be. Was he there? No. No, he wasn't there. And you want to know why? It's a bad photo op. Oh, well, of course. Yeah. Is. Don't look good, baby, to be in court while your daughter's being taken away in handcuffs. I mean, what kind of a father that's always talking about family values and being holier than thou, what kind of a father lets his daughter stand there alone with her attorney in the court and he ain't there for her? Was the mama there, the smuggler? No. No, she was busy shoplifting. I mean, they're doing something. She was out with an older rider, smuggling crap in. Man, oh, man, oh, man. I don't want to start, you know, when you get angry, it's bad because then you get your blood boiling and you want to kill some people. You know. Which politician do you despise the most, we asked today? Hillary Clinton's leading the pack. What a surprise. 78 for good old Swillery. What a shock. Second place, Jew Lieberman's moving up the pack. Oy! 53. A lot of these votes look pretty suspect to me, but that's okay. We'll take it. Jeb Bush, 52. Right on Hillary's ass. Catherine Harris, 44. Ted Kennedy, 28. John Ascroft, 25. You know John Ascroft? He's an asshole. Jesse Helms, 14. Tom DeLay, 11. Trent Lott, 7. Dick Army, 6. Strom Thurmond, 6. And Orrin Snatch has only four. Poor Orrin Snatch only has four. Pretty weak. Wait till you hear this story. Alabama Chief Justice defends Ten Commandments Monument. The Chief Justice of Alabama Supreme Court said he installed a 5,300-pound monument to the Ten Commandments in the State Judicial Building because he was concerned about the moral decline of the nation. 
Chief Justice Roy Moore testified for a second day yesterday in the trial of a federal lawsuit seeking to remove the monument he had installed in the building's rotunda in the middle of the night. The basic issue is whether we'll still be able to acknowledge God under the First Amendment or whether we will not be able to acknowledge God, Moore said. The lawsuit was filed by the Southern Poverty Law Center and Americans United for Separation of Church and State on behalf of three Alabama attorneys. They contend the monument promotes Moore's religion in violation of the Constitution, and they are... Absolutely correct, sir. Testimony is expected to continue into next week. Moore, a conservative Christian, said he turned down a request to place the monument to atheism in the building's rotunda and that he would not allow a similar monument to the Hindu faith, Buddhism, Islam, or any other religion. This is not the place from where our system of justice was drawn, he testified. He said he also rejected plans by various Christian groups to place other Christian symbols in the rotunda. I don't want the rotunda to become a hanging garden of different ideas, he said. The granite monument features the King James Bible version of the Ten Commandments sitting on top of a granite block. Around the monument are quotes from historical figures and documents such as the Declaration of Independence, which Moore said support his belief that the Ten Commandments are the moral foundation of American law. Moore said he didn't share his plans for the monument with other justices, a committee that oversees the building, the governor or the public, before installing it in the middle of the night. <laughs> in the middle of the night on July 31, 2001. He did tell Florida TV preacher the unctuous DJ James Kennedy, who had a crew film the installation and offered videotapes of it for a donation of 19 bucks. <laughs> oh. For 19 bucks, you can see him sticking it. Moore also questioned why his monument was on trial and not the fountain and monument in front of the federal courthouse, which includes the scales of justice in the face of the Greek goddess of justice. How do you like that? Yeah, how come they're picking on him and not those goddamn Greeks? Live, live and local. We are Sports Radio 560. QAM. You bastards. It's nine o'clock on a Sunday night, and I'm gonna watch HBO. There's some dumb show about a funeral home. Where did Tony and Big Pussy go? Kill some people. I've had to wait over a year and a half to see if that Russian guy is dead. But when I turn on the tube, Sure, getting screwed because they're showing our list instead. Goomba, Goomba, da da da. Goomba, da da da. Where the hell are the Sopranos, man? I've waited too long for this thing. Bus bombing in Manila. I want to see. In the back room of the Bada-Bing. It's been so long since the last episode. There's so many things I forgot. Did Pony get whacked? Is Furio smoking crack? And does Tony still sail the Stugats? So I pick up the latest TV guide. And that's when I start feeling fine. Thank God HBO's bringing back the Dacos each and every Sunday at nine. Oh, it's season four of The Sopranos, man. Good thing they're bringing it back. If I had to wait even one second more, I'd have my cable guy whacked. 
about freaking time, ain't it? 1102 at 560. WQM, the Mad Dog will be here at 1. we got Hank 3 to 7. Of course, it's Friday, so that means the Dave Wanstead Show at 530 with a humper. Hooters College Football Preview with Josie and Josh Darrow, 7 o'clock tonight. I went out to take a leak, and I walked by uh, Clarence's office there. He is pouring over all of that crap, man. He is checking it out inside and outside to be thoroughly prepared, and uh, that's some of that porno, too. Eddie K at 10, ESPN Radio Overnight because it's the weekend and because Mo ain't on tomorrow. See, I don't, I don't understand that. I do understand that. Anyway, we got 349 votes on the poll. They had a, a bombing on a bus in Manila. Aren't you surprised by that? Nope. Probably Al-Qaeda or some of their buddies again, because their main goal in life, I guess, is... Kill some people. Paul Krugman writes in today's New York Times, springtime for Hitler. You may recall that George W. Bush promised, among other things, to change the tone in Washington. He made good on that promise. The tone has certainly changed. As far as I know, in the past, it wasn't considered appropriate for the occupant of the White House to declare that members of the opposition party weren't interested in the nation's security. And it certainly wasn't usual to compare anyone who wants to, to tax the rich or even anyone who estimates the share of last year's tax cut that went to the wealthy to Adolf Hitler. Okay, maybe we should discount remarks by Senator Phil Graham when Mr. Graham declared that a proposal to impose a one-time capital gains levy on people who renounce U.S. citizenship in order to avoid paying taxes was right out of Nazi Germany. Even the ranking Republican on the Senate Finance Committee, Charles Grassley, objected to the comparison. But Mr. Grassley must have thought better of his objection, since just a few weeks later he decided to use the Hitler analogy himself. He said, I'm sure voters will get their fill of statistics claiming that the Bush tax cut hands out 40% of its benefits to the top 1% of taxpayers. This is not nearly misleading. It's outright false. Some folks must be under the impression that as long as something is repeated often enough, it will become true. That was how Adolf Hitler got to the top. For the record, Robert McIntyre of Citizens for Tax Justice, the original source of that 40% estimate, is no Adolf Hitler. The amazing thing is that Mr. Grassley is sometimes described as a moderate. His remarks are just one more indicator that we've entered an era of extreme partisanship, one that leaves no room for the acknowledgement of politically inconvenient facts. For the claim that Mr. Grassley describes as outright false is, in fact, almost certainly true. In a rational world, it wouldn't even be a matter for argument. You might imagine that Mr. Grassley has in his hand an alternative answer to the question, how much of the tax cut will go to the top 1%? The administration has at some point produced a number showing that the wealthy aren't getting a big share of the benefits. In fact, however, administration officials have never answered that question. When pressed, they've always insisted on answering some other question. But last year, the Treasury Department did release a table showing, somewhat inadvertently, that more than 25% of the income tax cut will go to people making more than $200,000 a year. This number doesn't include the effects of estate tax repeal. In 1999, only 2% of estates paid any tax, and half of that tax was paid by only 16 hundredths of a percent of estates. The number also probably doesn't take account of the alternative minimum tax, which will snatch away most of the income tax cut for upper-middle-class families but won't affect the rich. Put all this together, it becomes clear that though sure enough, something like 40% of the tax cut, it could be a bit less, but probably it's considerably more, will go to 1% of the population. And the administration's systematic evasiveness on the question of who benefits from the tax cuts amounts to a plea of nolo contendere, which brings us back to the new tone in Washington. When Ronald Reagan cut taxes on rich people, he didn't deny that that's what he was doing. You could agree or disagree with the supply-side economic theory he used to justify his actions, but he didn't pretend that he was increasing the prog progressivity of the tax system. The strategy used to sell the Bush tax cut was simply to deny the facts and to lash out at anyone who tried to point them out. And it's a strategy that, having worked there, is now being applied across the board. Michael Kinsley recently wrote that the Bush campaign for war against Iraq has been insulting to American citizens, not just because it's been dishonest, but because it's been unserious. A lie is insulting. An obvious lie is doubly insulting. All I can say is now he notices it's been like that all along on economic policy. You see, some folks must be under the impression that as long as something is repeated often enough, it'll become true. That's how George W. Bush got to the top.
writes wow. Paul Krugman in today's New York Times. Nice going, Paul. You go, boy. Heavy duty. Rilia's former caseworker arrested. Police arrested Rilia Wilson's former caseworker yesterday on charges that she stole money from the state by claiming she was visiting foster children while actually working as a substitute teacher. Deborah Muscully, a 16-year veteran of the Department of Children and Families, made off with more than 7800 bucks from the agency for hours she didn't work, time she could have spent visiting Rilia Wilson or other children in her care, investigators say. Anybody seen Rilia lately, by the way? No. No. Had Muskelly, 45, made the required monthly visits to the five-year-old, it wouldn't have had taken the agency 15 months to notice that the Miami girl was missing, DCF officials have said. The girl's disappearance has set off a firestorm in the state, causing an agency shakeup that led to the resignation of DCF chief in August. Muskelly of Pembroke Pines stands accused of 11 counts of grand theft, 21 counts of official misconduct, and 9 counts of uh, petty theft. She faces up to five years in prison. Muskelly is the fifth person connected with Rilia Wilson to be arrested in the past three weeks. Earlier this month, police arrested the girls' former caretakers, Geraldine and Pamela Graham. What do you know about them? Yeah, get those uh, get yeah. those fingers working, Jeb. Geraldine and Pamela Graham on fraud and theft charges. They arrested Geraldine Graham uh, and her two grown children, Leo and Jacqueline Epson, on lesser charges. As prosecutors and police agencies vigorously pursue every possible lead in the attempt to locate Willie Wilson, we've uncovered a variety of failures in crime, State Attorney uh, Catherine Fernandez-Rundle said yesterday. However, the defense attorneys for those arrested say other motivations lie behind the arrests. It's really a pathetic attempt to distract the public's attention from law enforcement's failure to solve the real tragedy, which is the disappearance of the little girls, said Muskelly's attorney, George Pallas. Muskelly worked in two honorable, albeit underpaid, professions, and to be treated like this is pitiful. Muskelly, also known as Deborah Wallace... <laughs> also known as Deborah Wallace, don't look at me, surrendered at the FDLE headquarters in West Miami-Dade and was being held at the Turner-Guilford uh, Night Detention Center on $20,000 bail late last night. DCF officials declined to comment on her arrest. You go, boy. That's Jeb. He's doing it, man. Yeah, I, I, I'm just, it's like two and a half weeks. It's uh, two days less, three days less than three weeks now, right? Two and a half weeks to Election Day? I just want to see the look on his puss when he gets his ass whipped by Bill McBride, which he will. He's going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see the look on his puss, you know. He might look just like, like Alfred E. Newman. He might have that deer in the headlights kind of dumb look because I guess it runs in the family, you know. He usually don't have that look. He saves it for his brother. But he might just borrow it that night when he's so far behind that even, the, even Catherine Harris won't be able to find enough votes to steal. And guess what? All you dark folks out there, this time they're going to have to let you guys vote. Two, three times to make up for last time. Don't you, you sure think? about that? Absolutely, positively. Oh, look at that. Message Center. New audio and video messages for you. <laughs> oh, my God. We got stuff popping up all over the screen on here. Looks like the screen on headline news there. You got something in every goddamn corner. Nine minutes after 11 at 560 WQAM. I don't think this is the right copy I got here, is it? No. I mean, Papado Park would love another spot. Should I give him another spot? Why not? Oh, look at that. Oh, man. I'm coming apart uh, at the seams. Just dropped my glasses on the floor. Tom Lehman at Hallett Pontiac GMC, so no tricks this year at Halloween. Just treats. No Halloweenies. Announcing the great 0% Halloween event going on right now at Hallett Pontiac. That's correct. With approved credit from GMAC, you can get yourself 0% financing for up to 60 months on all brand new 
2003s. No, let me try it again. On all 2002 Pontiac and GMC models and select 2003s. Get that right or time's going to be really upset. Or take a rebate of up to four grand. Here's even more good news. No payments for up to 90 days. Check out the complete line of GMC SUVs, including the Envoy, voted by Motor Trend as SUV of the Year, and the all-new Pontiac Vibe SUV, the big gutsy vibe that's got the power of a big, expensive sports car without the cost. Hallett's also has always got a dependable selection of great, unbeatable used cars, trucks, and SUVs. And like I always tell you folks, if somebody else turns you down for credit for any kind of a vehicle, have no fear, because Tom Hallett will work you out a deal. It's the great 0% Halloween event going on right now at Hallett Pontiac, 13401 South Dixie Highway. That's US 1, right across the street from the falls. Open every day, seven days a week. For more information, you can call them at 305-238-4040. That's 305-238-4040 for Hallett Pontiac GMC, who do be professional grade. And this is Sports Radio 560. You fudge packing? Yes. You talk about a new war, you depress me. Not high on your idea much. Oh, Mr. Bush, it ain't yet begun, but this battle won't be fun. They're on my TV, on every channel that I switch. You're asking for more support, yeah, you're trying to sell your pitch. But dumping my favorite shows, so I got a right to bitch. No reason for us to cheer. You want a bomb or a rock? As fast as you can, we're trying to prepare when finally a war's declared. And I swear, we won't be too thrilled. Instead of making things better, you're making us ill. You're making us ill. 11.15 at 5.60. I'll tell you, Swillery's making people ill, although I really uh, wonder about this number of votes on this poll today. But, uh, you know, some of those folks down there have got to have something to do. 374 votes. In an hour and a quarter? <laughs> well, like I said, it keeps him off the streets. God damn it. Which politician do you despise the most? Hillary Clinton, 94. Jeb Bush, 63. Jew Lieberman, 54. Catherine Harris, 49. Ted Kennedy, 30. John Ashcroft, 28. Jesse Helms, 19. Tom DeLay, 13. Trent Lott, 8. Dick Army, 6. Strom Thurmond, 6. And Orrin Snatch, 4. And let me say it again. The fact that Jeb Bush wasn't in that courtroom with Noel is enough to make you want to puke your guts out. Even on Guiding Light, poor Reba's on trial there for her life for a couple of weeks ago. And if Josh ain't there in the courtroom, people are going to say, what's that? If her kids aren't there in the courtroom to give her oral support, people are going to say, what's that all about, right? Right. Disgraceful. But, you know, you bushlickers out there, you can rationalize anything because your minds are closed, okay? Good right-wingers man with no ability to think, just like the religious fanatics. Oh, excuse me. Am I getting redundant now? Is that what is happening? Yes. This is disturbing, but not surprising. The administration of Florida Governor Jeb Bush has apparently retaliated against a professor of public administration at FSU who was scheduled to speak at the state library conference last week. According to the St. Petersburg Times, Lance DeHaven Smith has written columns critical of the Republican Party in Florida, declaring that Al Gore should have been declared winner of the 2000 presidential election. Shortly after the latter column, he was told he was no longer a luncheon speaker. 
Victoria Pendleton of the Bureau of Library Development explained by email that preparing for our transition to the governor's office is making folks sensitive to anything which may be construed as inappropriate. This has had an impact on the conference agenda. The later said that DeHaven Smith was dropped only because of the focus of the conference had changed. <laughs> right. Right. Who the hell are you kidding, sweetheart? A federal judge yesterday ordered the Bush administration to turn over key documents about its energy task force for a second time, while government lawyers gave notice they plan to take their case to an appeals court before complying. U.S. District Judge Emma G. Sullivan gave lawyers representing Vice President Cheney till November 5 to produce documents that detail the membership roles and meeting schedules of the National Energy Policy Development Group, which Cheney chaired. Sullivan ordered the same documents turned over in August. If the government doesn't produce the documents by that November date, Sullivan said the administration must have been a claim of executive privilege and the reasons for it. The hour-long hearing marked by a series of sharp exchanges between Sullivan and Shannon W. Coffin, the Justice Department attorney handling the case, is the latest development in one of a handful of lawsuits that have sought to force the Bush administration to release information about the task force, and they're not talking. They're mum. Could be too embarrassing, especially while well, they ordered and they gave until November 5th. What a strange coincidence, huh? Figures don't lie, says the Orlando Sentinel. Tax cuts hurts Bush's chances. Jeb Bush laid the foundation for his political vulnerability shortly after his election. He went into his first legislative session in 1999 with $3 billion in extra cash, thanks primarily to a robust economy and Florida's settlement with tobacco companies. His priority was clear. He wanted a $1.25 billion tax cut aimed mainly at businesses and wealthier residents. Oh, what a surprise! He proposed only about half that for increased school spending, which did a little more than meet growth. Much of his tax cut would come by slashing a statewide property tax used for school operations, a permanent cut based on temporary, almost freakish economic conditions. The more moderate Senate demanded more for schools and less for tax cuts. The compromise was a billion for each. The 2000 budget year also came flush with cash. Bush proposed $578 million more in tax cuts, much of it aimed at wealthier residents. Surprise again. And again, the Senate cut the cut while getting more for schools. All this time, critics and pundits questioned the tax cuts, saying the state was putting itself at risk when the economic bubble burst. And polls show the majority would prefer excess money be spent on education, not on tax cuts. This wasn't surprising, given that the minuscule amount most people got from the tax cuts anyway. But Bush's budgets reflected his core belief that the problem with schools is not so much of a lack of money, but a failure to demand results from the education bureaucracy. The economic bubble burst last year, but despite budget shortfalls, Bush pushed for another $313 million in tax cuts. Again, most of it aimed at wealthier residents. He asked for only a $531 million increase in education, about half the previous year's amount. Again, the Senate got him to reduce the tax cut and boost school spending. By the end of 2001, with the recession worsened by the terrorist attack, Bush called a special session to cut $639 million from education, but that didn't stop him, only a few months later, from pushing through a corporate tax break that will amount to $420 million by 2004. His initial proposal for education in this year's budget did little more than put back what had been cut. Even some House leaders balked. Bush eventually boosted the amount to almost a billion dollars. In total, Bush's tax cuts will have taken about $6 billion out of the budget in his first term. That money could have paid for universal pre-K and smaller classes in K-3 to where it does the most good. These may have headed off the class size referendum. The amount his cuts will take from the budget in future years may have well paid for most of the class size reduction measure on the ballot. Bush's education reforms look promising but haven't had enough time to show concrete results. This leaves Bill McBride free to blame our poor academic ranking on large classes, poorly paid teachers, and low per-pupil spending, all a reflection of stingy funding. Meanwhile, residents in central Florida have voted time and time again to spend more on schools in local referendums. The governor is out of touch, which is why McBride has a chance. If Bush does win, he may well thank Senate leaders such as Tony Jennings for limiting the damage he's done to himself. 
writes Mike Thomas in the Orlando Sentinel yesterday. How do you like them apples, huh? Our education governor. Yeah. Mean-spirited, right-wing, phony baloney, hypocritical, finger-pointing turdburger. Woody Harrelson writes in The Guardian in the U.K. You know Woody Harrelson? Yeah, I know him. I'm an American tired of American lies, he writes. The man who drives me to and from work is named Woody, too. As relief to me as it minimizes the chances of my forgetting his name. I call him Woodman. He calls me Wood. He's become my best friend here, even though he's upset that I have quit drinking beer. He's smart, funny, and there's nothing he hasn't seen in 33 years behind the wheel of his black cab. He drove me for a while before I felt confident he liked me. He doesn't like people easily, especially if they have a rap for busting up black cabs. Woodman and I agree about a lot of things, but one thing we can never agree about is Iraq. He thinks the only language Sodom understands is brute force. I don't believe we should be bombing cities in our quest for one man. We've killed a million Iraqis since the start of the Gulf War, mostly by blocking humanitarian aid. Let's stop now. Thankfully, most of the Brits I talk to about the war are closer to me than to Woodman. Only your Prime Minister doesn't seem to have noticed. I've been here three months doing a play in the West End. I'm having a time, the time of my life. I love England, the people, the parks, the theater. The play is great, and the audiences have been a dream. Probably I should just relax, be happy, and talk about the weather. But this war is under my skin. It affects my sleep. I remember playing basketball with an Iraqi in the late 80s when Iran and Iraq were at war. I didn't know at the time that the U.S. and Britain were supplying weapons to both sides. I asked why they were always at war with each other, and he said something that stayed with me. If it were up to the people, there would be peace. It's the governments that create war, he said. And now my government is creating its second war in less than a year. No, war requires two combatants, so I should say its second bombing campaign. I went to the White House when Harvey Weinstein was showing Clinton the movie Welcome to Sarajevo, which I was in. I got a few moments alone with Clinton. Sodom throwing out the weapons inspectors was all over the news. I asked him what he was going to do. His answer was very revealing. He said, everybody's telling me to bomb him. All the military are saying you've got to bomb him. But if even one innocent person died, I couldn't bear it. And I looked in his eyes, and I believed him. Little did I know he was blocking humanitarian aid at the time, allowing the deaths of thousands of innocent people. I'm a father, and no amount of propaganda can convince me that a half a million dead children is acceptable as collateral damage. The fact is that Saddam Hussein was our boy. The CIA helped him to power as they did the Shah of Iran and Noriega and Marcos and the Taliban and countless other brutal tyrants. The fact is that Bush Sr. continued to supply nerve gas and technology to Sodom, even after he used it on Iran and then the Kurds in Iraq. While the Amnesty International report listing countless Sodom atrocities, including gassing and t torturing Kurds, was sitting on his desk, Bush Sr. pushed through a $2 billion agricultural loan. Thatcher gave hundreds of millions in export credit to Sodom. The other Bush then had the audacity to quote the Amnesty reports to garner support for his oil war. A decade later, Shrub follows the same line. We have no quarrel with the Iraqi people. I'm sure a half a million Iraqi parents are scratching their heads over that. I'm an American tired of lies, and with our government, it's mostly lies. The history taught in our schools is scandalous. We grew up believing that Columbus actually discovered America. We still celebrate Columbus Day. Columbus was after only one thing, gold. As the natives were showering him with gifts and kindness, he wrote in his diary, They do not bear arms. They have no iron. With 50 men, we could subjugate them all and make them do whatever we want. Columbus is the perfect symbol of U.S. foreign policy to this day. This is a racist and imperialist war. The warmongers who stole the White House, you call them hawks, but I would never disparage such a fine bird, have hijacked the nation's grief and turned it into a perpetual war on any non-white country they choose to describe as terrorist. To the men in Washington, the world is just a giant monopoly board. Oddly enough, Americans generally know how the government works. The politicians do everything they can for the people, the people who put them in power. The giant industries that are polluting our planet as well as violating human rights worldwide are the ones nearest and dearest to the hearts of American politicians. But in wartime, people lose their senses. There are flags and yellow ribbons and posters, and every media outlet is beating the war drum, and even sensible people can hear nothing else. 
In the U.S., God forbid you suggest that war is unjust or that dropping cluster bombs from 30,000 feet on a city is a cowardly act. When TV satirist Bill Maher made some dissenting remarks about the bombing of Afghanistan, Disney pulled a plug on him, rightfully so, and a company that logs its freedom of speech, a word of dissent can cost you your job. I read in a paper here about a woman who held out on the part of her taxes that would go into the war effort, something like 17%. I like that idea, though, in the U.S. it would have to be more like 50%. If you consider money as a form of energy, then we see half our taxes and half the U.S. government's energy focused on war and weapons of mass destruction. Over the past 30 years, this amounts to more than $10 trillion. Imagine that money going to preserving rainforest or contributing to a sustainable economy as opposed to the dinosaur tit we're currently in the process of sucking dry. I give in to Woodman, and we stop for a few beers. He asked me what I do in Bush's shoes. Easy. I'd honor Kyoto, join the world court. I'd stop subsidizing earth rapers like Monsanto, DuPont, and Exxon. I'd shut down the nuclear power plants. So I already have $200 billion saved from corporate welfare. I'd save another $100 billion by stopping the war on non-corporate drugs. And I'd cut the defense budget in half so they'd have to get by on a measly $200 billion a year. I've already saved half a trillion bucks by saying no to polluters and warmongers. Then I'd give back $300 billion to the taxpayers. I'd take the rest and pay the people teaching our children what they deserve. I'd put $100 billion into alternative fuels and renewable energy. I'd revive the Chemergi movement, which made the farmer and the root of the economy, and make paper the fuel from wheat straw, rice straw, and hemp. Not only would I attend, I'd sponsor the Earth Summit, and, of course, I'd give myself a fat raise. Woodman drops me at home, asks me if, uh, ask if uh, I like his ideas. He offers a reluctant yes. As he pulls away, he yells out, but I'd never vote for a man who can't handle a few pints at the end of the day. How do you like that, huh? And we thought he was just a dope-smoking bumpkin. Well, there you go. So even a dope-smoking douchebag has got more brains than some of our leaders. You know, that's leaders like with the quotes, like uh, Jeb would say. 1126 at 560 WQAM. Sweetest day is tomorrow. That's right. Not Swedish day. Sweetest day. Do something fun and thoughtful and surprise your sweetheart with a Vermont teddy bear. Today only, they're given a free heart-shaped box of chocolates with each order. Even though it's Friday, there's still time to have a bear delivered for tomorrow. Call 1-800-829-BEAR or shop online at vermontteddybear.com. Choose from over 100 cute little bears delivered in a colorful gift box with free chocolate and a card you can personalize. Sending a Vermont teddy bear is the creative alternative to flowers that she's going to love and hug and squeeze forever. Choose from bears like the Lover Boy Bear, the Gangsta of Love, or Chocolate Lover Bear. Every Vermont teddy bear is handcrafted in Vermont and guaranteed for life. So call 1-800-829-BEAR or shop online at vermontteddybear.com. Don't forget, overnight delivery is still guaranteed, and you get you a free heart box of chocolates today only when you order. Be sure and tell them that old Neil told you to call 1-800-829-BEAR. Live and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. I'm a BTL fan, man. <laughs> Miss Hillary. 
WQM. Four students have been taken hostage in uh, Germany, southeastern Germany in high school, ages uh, 10 to 16. And uh, we got that uh, bus bombing in Manila. Everything's looking great, folks. Everything's looking up. Market's up a few points again. There you go. (laughs) Speaking of Hillary, students protest Senator Clinton's decision to back Bush's war plans. About 75 anti-war protesters, angered by Hillary Rodham Clinton's decision to back President Bush's war plans in Iraq, picketed an address given by the senator at the New School this past Monday night. Three New School students were ejected around 6.30 p.m. when they snuck into the back of the auditorium where Clinton was speaking and began yelling protest slogans. You bitch! When a reporter tried to enter the event, she was informed that no press would be allowed at the invitee's request. Oh, well, excuse us. The sold-out event was hosted by New School President, former Nebraska Senator Bob Kerry. A spokesman for the New School said that while media are generally allowed to report on public addresses by elected officials, the request came from Clinton's office for the press not to be admitted. Sometimes events are open to the press, sometimes they're not, Clinton Press Secretary said on Tuesday. The ad hoc protest, which was announced on activist uh, listservs and on the website protest.net, drew mostly NYU and New School students, but also other concerned adults. I think it was a cowardly thing to do, said Ellen Davidson, Associate Director of Publications for the New School, commenting on Clinton's decision to go along with the war. I think she was looking out more for her career than what her constituents wanted, and were saying to her, added Davidson, was passing out homemade masks of Clinton with the word spineless printed over her face. Excellent. And opponents of the war with Iraq told Senator Jew Lieberman, that the government was heading in the wrong direction during the former vice presidential candidate's visit to Daniel Webster College this week. Lieberman was one of 29 Democrats who voted for the war resolution, giving President Bush the authority to use military force against Iraqi leader goddamn Saddam Hussein. All but one Republican in the Senate said, well, we know that. The National uh, National Democratic City Committee hosted a coffee and muffin get-together Tuesday morning at Daniel Webster's College Student Union. College campuses are typically friendly places for Democrats, and a good-humored Lieberman did a share of picture-signing and cracking jokes. While Lieberman's talk focused on bread-and-butter issues, people attending the session questioned him about foreign policy. War critic Morton Goulder of Hollis told Lieberman the idea of starting a war in the Middle East is foolish. Goulder is a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense under President Nixon, Ford and Carter. He helped found the defense industry company formerly known as Sanders, now BAE Systems. Preemptive strikes against people you don't like is crazy, he said. Goulder told Lieberman that Bush is a terrorist in the White House. Liz Wright, an associate professor at Revere College, told Lieberman she was a fan of his, but said his vote in favor of the war resolution was disappointing. There is a very silent majority of people opposing the move to war, said Wright, who registered as a Republican to support Senator John McCain in the 2000 election. My prayer is the resolution will, uh, of unity will lead to U.N. action. Oh, let me read it again. My prayer is this resolution of unity will lead the U.N. to action, Lieberman said, adding later that nobody wants to go to war. Right. His prayer. The dissent is healthy, he said. Screw him. Turdberger, baby. Turdberger. Oh, you'll like this. I, George, by the way, is going to vote at Treasure Island after I read this story. Okay. This will Well, this will give you the uh, courage. Coates, Minnesota. Prosecutors charged 95 people with forgery this Wednesday for an alleged scheme in which they all registered to vote using the same address, a strip club recently shut down by city officials. Most of the alleged forgers, 
supporters lived outside the town. The scheme in which the club's owner was also charged could have given club supporters a political majority in the town of 163 people. The mayor and two council members are in contested races next month in Coates, where 79 voted in the 2000 general election. 79 people voted in the election. It's shocking to see such a blatant attempt to undermine the most fundamental pillar of our democracy, our right to vote, Dakota County Attorney James Backstrom said. No relation to the former uh, Montreal Canadian Ralph Backstrom. Club owner Richard J. Jacobson, 32, of Prescott, Wisconsin, was charged with conspiracy to commit forgery and conspiracy to commit unlawful voting for allegedly orchestrating the scheme. The other 94 were charged with forgery and conspiracy to commit forgery. All the charges are felonies, and each carries a maximum sentence of three years in prison. Backstrom said he believed some of the defendants were employees at the club called Jake's, but thought most were customers who might have been duped into signing the registration cards. A federal judge ordered Jake's closed last week for violating the city's law regulating sexually oriented businesses. Reached at the club, Jacobson declined to comment. Coast is about 15 miles south of St. Paul. So why not just register and vote over there at Treasure Island? Sounds good to me. I'll start it up. Halloween. How's that pool coming on the politician? Now, that noon to one hour, don't let me forget. I got some more jingles and stuff on there I want to play. Because I enjoy that New York thing. And even if somebody out there didn't, too bad. Got to mix it up a little bit, okay, with all this depressing, morbid things going on. Area hospitals in Manila put on code blue alert. Nice. Mm-hmm. and don't want to say anything until they have actual suspects to pinpoint. Understood. How about where this explosion occurred? Did it happen in a residential area? Was it in a, in a downtown area? Can you give us information on that? It was It was in a relatively densely populated area in the, the kind of northernmost tip of Metro Manila. It, you could expect a lot of people who would be on their way home from a long day at work to have filled this bus. They would have been headed to kind of the more rural or suburban areas just outside of the city. Police say many casualties expected in the blast. Many. 22 till noon at 560 WQAM. Castaway Seafood Company knows their seafood, baby. They pride themselves on serving you the freshest seafood available. Fresh fish that's never frozen. Castaways also features grilled certified Angus beef, burgers, filet mignon, or how about a huge mouth-watering New York strip. Castaways has got great weekend specials like fresh Florida stone crabs, served as an appetizer or entree if you like. Medium, larger jumbo claw served with Castaways mustard sauce, starting at just $9.95 and up. Join the Castaways tailgate party at the Hogfish Bar, offering college and NFL football specials, too, including all-you-can-eat hot and spicy buffalo shrimp for only $7.95. You know buffalo, that's like a suburb of L.A. While you watch your favorite teams. There's also live entertainment every Saturday night. Castaway Seafood Company has got a full bar. It's open seven days a week, and it's located on the southwest corner of University Drive and Griffin Road in most prestigious Davie. So if you're looking to cater your next office or home party, Castaways can do a great job of that as well. The Castaway Seafood Company with seafood so fresh, it'll slap you right on your ugly puss. Live and local, this is 560. The radio's all yours now. QAM. Friday, you bastard. Well, the bombs exploded with a mighty crash. Searching for them everywhere 
I'm looking at the Atlantis is landing. Aren't you excited about that? You're not? Neither am I. There you go. Touchdown. We have touchdown. Is that what that was? Yeah. Now, the trick is when you are. Get out of here. Well, I got to put something on here, you know. We don't have anything else important going on. And you notice, now maybe we'll have another one at noon today. Moosey will have another press conference because it seems right around noon they have another press conference every day to tell us, oh, the information we had before was a bunch of lies. We don't know anything. And just leave us alone and don't interfere. What kind of asshole? The false witness. Oh, man, oh, man. This guy just uh, he made everything up. He was inside the Home Depot. He saw nothing. And he embellishes it and makes up this whole story about the description of the van. It was cream-colored and had a broken left taillight. And, and, then, and then they're out there looking for this. Right. Everything in this country is a joke. That's part of the problem. You got wise guy assholes. Everything is a joke. Or, or he's also looking for that reward. See? Yeah, but how are you going to get the reward with made up story? <laughs> don't don't start asking logical questions. Come to find out, the guy was a scumbag. He was a deadbeat. Yeah. You know those deli slicers that slice the ham yes, real thin, absolutely, one little layer at a time. Yeah. Just like just like they used to use to try to slice up Batman and Robin on Batman. Never quite worked with them because they always got something out of their utility belt. Probably this guy don't have a utility belt. Just a disgrace. But you, you, you get to the point where you start to wonder, and I realize there's 6 billion people plus on the face of the globe, but you start to wonder, can we find anybody or arrest anybody? Anybody. Or convict them if we... Oh, forget about that. Except those two little kids, which, thank God, the uh, judge there said, I don't think that whole thing was kosher. But at any rate, I mean, you got Osama Yamama, you got Mullah Omar, you got Al-Zawahiri... You got uh, the the uh, terror, the sniper, whatever the hell his name, whatever whoever he is. You got whoever killed Chandra. You got whoever killed that Elizabeth Smart little girl. You right. got all the, uh, all, all these things. I, we got Robert Blake in jail, so don't you feel safer now? Oh yeah. I'm starting to get on your side about that. Let him out, okay? The bitch deserved it. All right. Christian Warner. Right, that's right. That good Christian Brando, Warner said, "Hey, you better watch it, bitch. He's nuts." In fact, if there's one thing that George always told me, he says, you know that Robert Blake, he's a little, I like him, but someday he's going to go out and kill some people. Right. He did. Well, we don't know that he did. But at any rate, I'm saying we caught him because he was like uh, just slumpy and frumpy stupid. and stupid. That's right. But in the meantime, we can't track down. Anybody requires tracking down. We can't track down. Even when we think we got the killer, they always say, oh, well, so-and-so isn't a suspect. How about John Bonet? How are we doing with that? We had those couple of stories a few days ago about this other, what the hell's the guy's name, some uh, spick, that they're, uh, you know, interviewing and investigating. He's in prison for some other crap. Killed, uh, didn't kill, raped. Yeah. Some ra raped it. I hear he heard ra raped it at that uh, place, too, there. This is the rumor we're spreading around. No, he raped a couple of girls in there and at the park where Chandra's body was found. So another question to me. But nobody's ever a suspect. Nobody ever gets convicted. And it just goes on and on. Now, if you're out there buying a nickel bag or something like at Steve M's house, then you're going to get 20 years. Then they're going to nail your ass. You're going to get 20 years. 
because that's uh, what it's all about in this country. Our priorities are all totally screwed up. Helen Thomas, of all people, good old Helen Thomas, writes in the Seattle Post-Intelligencer uh, this past Wednesday. See, a lot of this stuff I didn't get to yesterday because we were doing all that oldie-moldie stuff, all the jingles, which was great. She writes, the bitter battle between Republicans and Democrats to control Congress in next month's election is too close to call. Political leaders are predicting victory for their own parties, but independent experts simply shrug their shoulders when you ask them to forecast the outcome. For instance, Charlie Cook, who publishes the Cook Report on Politics, says that if the voters decide that the election is about the economy, then expect the Democrats to catch a break in the close races November 5. But he adds if voters place a premium on supporting their commander-in-chief, then Republicans will likely catch the late breaks and win a disproportionate share of the closest races. And President Bush? War and terrorist worries haven't tied him down in Washington in the run-up to the election. He's off to more than 20 states in the next three weeks, campaigning for Republicans in a marathon that will keep him on the road for more than he'll be at home. He has headlined 63 Republican fundraisers so far and racked up $141 million for the party coffers. Together, he and Vice President Cheney have brought in more than $158 million, far overshadowing the Democrats' measly take of about $92 million. Bush sees his politicking as crucial because, as pollster John Zogby says, the election outcome is about as close as you can get, with some races razor thin. Republicans now control the House by six votes, and Democrats hold the Senate by one. The GOP also commands the nation's state houses, with 27 governors to the Democrats' 21. There are two independents. Democratic National Chairman Terry McAuliffe says he thinks his party will pick up two to three Senate seats, but he's not optimistic about capturing the House. He says that it would, only be, it would be tough but doable. McAuliffe, however, is exuberant about Democratic chances in the gubernatorial races, saying we're ahead in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Michigan, Arizona, New Mexico, Tennessee, and Kansas, and he predicts Democratic challenger Bill McBride is going to beat Governor Jeb Bush in Florida. But no one doubts that Jeb's brother, the president, will be trying to ride to the rescue with another appearance in Florida, which we just had. Jim Dyke, a Republican Party spokesman, says the GOP thinks it has a real opportunity to regain the Senate, and we feel good about our position in the House. With many races so close, he adds, the Republicans are sending hundreds of volunteers around the country to join door-to-door grassroots efforts to get out to vote. Dyke says the Republicans have a good chance to win Senate races in Missouri, South Dakota, Minnesota, Georgia, New Jersey. No chance in New Jersey. In addition, he says, we're working hard in North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, and Arkansas. Republicans' hope soared when Bush zoomed in like a laser beam in recent weeks to put the country on a war footing against Iraq. He was following the script laid out last January when Karl Rove, his chief political advisor, sent a memo to GOP operatives telling them that they, they would ultimately be playing the war card. According to published reports, Bush deliberately withheld his frontal rhetorical assault on Iraq Saddam Hussein until closer to the election. The New York Times quoted White House Chief of Staff Card as saying, From a marketing point of view, you don't introduce new products in August. The recent focus on Iraq has pushed all the other issues into the background, including the weak economy, the corporate misdeeds, the shaky stock market, the high cost of prescription drugs, and the Republicans' hope of privatizing Social Security system. But now that Congress has given Bush nearly all he wanted on his war with Iraq resolution, the Democrats are trying once more to make the economic slowdown the number one issue. McAuliffe says that on his trips around the country, he's found people are worried about joblessness and a possible recession. He notes that since Bush took office, two million people have lost their jobs, and that even before the 9-11 terrorist catastrophe, the president wiped out the budget surplus and dipped into the Social Security Trust Fund. This is the worst economic slump since Herbert Hoover, McAuliffe says. Zogby reported that two-thirds of likely voters say they're worried about dwindling retirement funds in their 401K and IRA accounts. That's why Republican and Democratic candidates find themselves coping with the politics of disappointment, he says. According to Zogby, people are not only disappointed in the economic malaise, but also in the disgrace of many priests and corporate CEOs, the frustrating war on terrorism, and the FBI and CIA dropping the ball in their intelligence departments. It's all come home to roost, he concludes. 
I hope the Democrats at least retain control of the Senate. Congress' Iraq resolution gives Bush too much power, and the country needs a Senate that can provide some checks on his headlong dive into war, his favor the rich economic policy, and his campaign to put right-wing ideologues on the Supreme Court. Otherwise, we'll have an imperial presidency with nothing but a genuflecting Congress and a Me Too Supreme Court, writes old Helen Thomas. Pretty good, huh? How about Pretty that? good stuff, Helen, for an old bat. Mary McGrory, another one, writes in the Washington Post yesterday, Mistaken Patriots, where she rips the Democrats an ass, and deservedly so. She says, are Democrats making a major effort to reduce voter turnout in the coming election, or are they just trying to fight free of the trap they diligently fashioned for themselves on the subject of the war with Iraq? By their conduct on the issue in recent congressional debate, they seemed eager to show there was no difference between them and the Republicans, a strategy that guarantees voters will ask themselves when it comes to digging out of a, on a cold November morning, why bother? By way of preparing for the election, Democrats decided to get the war issue out of the way. By overwhelmingly backing President Bush's desire to blow the bugle without the blessing of the U.N., they ensured that the commander-in-chief will be at center stage. The papers throb with accounts of his minions moving troops and launching training exercises as if war had been declared. Sheepish Democrats continue to show the electorate that when it comes to the fateful business of sending young Americans into battle, they are at one with the Republicans. They turned aside the known skepticism of the uniformed military. They were undeterred by the newly enunciated doctrine of preventive war, which all previous presidents have rejected. While they declared in their floor speeches that they were uncertain of the danger posed by Saddam Hussein, their votes said they were mindful of the danger to themselves and they were taking no chances. Candidates around the country were on their own in trying to make judgments about the right thing to do. The debate won't help them much. The votes in both houses of Congress for the new Tonkin Gulf Resolution are still being studied for surprises and contradictions, especially by liberals, who, according to the post-Thomas Edsall, are outraged by the absence of strong convictions on the part of their leaders. Senate Democrats are quick to blame House Democratic Leader Dick Kebhart, who has wraparound ambitions, to be either President or House Speaker. They say a coalition of moderates from both parties who wanted U.N. approval of the use, any use of force fell apart when Gebhardt emerged as Bush's chief lobbyist on the Hill. Republicans said they didn't want to be to the left of Gebhardt, and the coalition collapsed. The whole slate of Democratic presidential hopefuls lined up for the president's right to make war unilaterally. Of all of them, Senator John Kerry had a unique foreign policy perch. A decorated war veteran who also came home and led a brilliant demonstration to win the war, he delivered a sophisticated critique of the botched hunt for Osama bin Laden, but he joined the gang voting for the president, such notable peaceniks as Tom Harkin, Chris Dodd, and Tom Daschle, not to mention Swillery Clinton. The majority leader hated to do it, but in the end he threw in the towel to show the world the country is unified on the issue. The country is ambivalent. On the one hand, it's all for a short, sharp replay of Gulf War I that would be a relatively casualty-free exercise, but bringing up body bags, they recoil. Polls show that the country would rather have the president protected from the wolf at the door, layoffs, market collapses, and the like, than from the beast of Baghdad who might nuke us if he got the right stuff. Ted Kennedy made daily speeches against going to war. He and Robert C. Byrd, long ago rivals, did their best, but Kennedy couldn't even convince his son in the House, Patrick Kennedy of Rhode Island, that he should give peace a chance. Rhode Island did, however, offer the Senate's only Republican profile and courage. Lincoln Chafee, faithful to his father's legendary independence, voted no. The Democrats hope that with the war issue settled, they can drag that settled with, like the quotes that Jeb Bush, with the war issue settled, they can drag voters' attention back to the economy, which can be criticized without fear of being called unpatriotic. Bush brushes them off. You don't like my tax cuts? Okay, you want to rescind them? No, of course not. The Democrats protest. Pollster Peter Hart thinks the economy doesn't need much rhetoric. The ravages are all around and brought home in people's reports about their 401Ks, and people can recall the Clinton boom to be reminded of how different things can be. At the height of that debate, House Whip Nancy Pelosi implored Democrats to remember that while a show of force in Iraq would surely demonstrate U.S. power, negotiation and diplomacy would show our strength. Her colleagues were not listening. 
Democrats know exactly how they feel about prescription drugs and the privatization of Social Security, but when it comes to war and peace, people dying and all of that, they really have no comment. They just salute the commander-in-chief and hope voters mistake them for patriots. Writes Mary McGrory in yesterday's Washington Post. Nice going, Mary. You go, girl. You go, sweetheart. Got a lot of phony votes on the poll today, but that's okay. Get it out of your system. All right, got a big heavy-duty weekend coming up. A lot of pressure, a lot of stress. Got some big ball games coming up. 430 votes on there. Which politician, other than El President, of course, which politician do you despise the most? Hillary Clinton, 107. Jeb Bush, 73. Boy, he's getting a really good showing. Jewel Lieberman, 57. Catherine Harris, that bitch, 55. John Ascroft, 37. Ted Kennedy, 33. Jesse Helms, 26. Tom DeLay, 15, as in seven second. Trent Lott, 9. Dick Armey, 7. Strom Thurmond, uh, 7. And Orrin Snatch is still sucking wind, man. Still only got four. Sports Radio 560, QAM. You know, it's my luck. It's just, just like that anthrax drop from Rumsfeld. Just during at the, we go into the break and I flip the audio out on CNN just to see because it says breaking news, you know, and I want to see what a grotesque event has taken place now because we had the bomb on a bus in Manila, killed a bunch of people. We have the kids taken hostage in southeast Germany in high school. And then here's this uh, dark complected, I can't think of what his name is, Leon. Leon something. Anyway, he comes out to give us the breaking news. The news story is that Minnesota Twins outfield, or former outfielder, he don't play anymore, does he? No. Kirby Puckett was arrested for assaulting someone in a restaurant, assault and battery, whatever. Kirby Puckett. Only he didn't say Puckett. He said exactly what you think. Well, uh, it be the 12 to 1 hour on WQAM. So... Just say Puckett is what I say. They want us to find a way to reimburse them for back pay from 200 years ago when they were slaves. Well, I only have a mobile home, a pit bull and a pinch of skull. So if you want to ask me how, here's what I got to say. You've got to kiss a nigger good morning and tell him that you're sorry for enslaving them all. Kiss a nigger good morning and that's for everybody who is dead and gone. Kill some people. If I was born in 1802, owning slaves ain't something I'd do. But what were dead people did to you, I have to take the blame. When you settle for an old Pontiac, with a can of smelly cherry in back, instead of 40 acres and a mule, I have a better way. You've got to kiss a nigger good morning, plant one on Halle Parrot, Morgan Freeman too. Yes, a nigger, good morning. All right. And that's your restitution for enslaving you. Yes, a nigger, good morning. And tell them that you're sorry for enslaving them all. You got yes, a nigger, good morning. And that's for everybody who is dead and gone. 1202 at 560, WQM, the Beast is here right on time, man, for his big weigh-in, his weekly weigh-in. It better be a good number this week. Let's see, we got 228.5 last week. What are you shaking your head about? It's going to be bad? 
You know something? He looks like he plays for the Red Sox, you know? Now, did you have a Red Sox cap on that you just took off or not? You look like you should play for the Red Sox, like a tub, you know? I don't know. Yeah, there you go. Hop on that. You think it's going to be bad? The man started at 284 pounds. Exhale. Exhale real uh, yeah, heavy. When in doubt, let it out. See, noon is not a good time because haven't you eaten today already? A disappointing one pound. Well, it's still in the right direction, 220. But? I had all my blood work done this week. Yeah. No, that can't be right. No, true. 137 is too low. That's what it is. No, I, it's it's too low. You're 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 a dead you're a dead man. I'll bring you the paper There's no such number as 137. Under under 140 means you're like on the verge of death. I'll bring you the paper. Okay, bring me the paper. Okay, I'd love to see what kind of lab the, they sent your blood hey, out to. Look, you can see his neck. You can see his neck now. He's got that big bright bald spot. Autographed by Mo. It's a lovely thing. <laughs> it's a. In fact, he wrote, "Thanks for being so unprofessional. Get out of here, Mo." Something like that. So another pound. I, I'll write it a little later on. Now I got. We got. Uh, let's see. The woman may have bitten her husband to death. Did you see that story? Uh, no. She bit him to death. Continental fired that pilot for drinking. <laughs> and we got a whole bunch of other stuff. But I want to like because yesterday and today we try to get some of these oldies and old one radio used to be great stuff on here. And I don't think this is doing anything right now. I'm hitting it. But again, uh, I'm at the mercy of whatever this thing decides to do or not, as the case may be. And these, these are things from like all over the country. If it ever decides to fire. Which I have a feeling it's not going to do. Just sit there and look. Look at it. Wait, it's not doing anything. The little hour. It, it'll happen. The little, huh? Eventually. The, the little hourglass was on there. It's, eh, we're thinking about it. Now, CJME Superstar Showdown. Listen to the records, then call in and vote. You pick the champion.
for like 32 minutes. Should we let it go? I'm enjoying it. 10 afternoon at 560. But we got a lot of important stuff here, including this fax that just came in. It says Ray Oren Snatch. Oh, there's Moosey Man. Uh, but we'd he like to just it. remind Man? you that we, it is inconclusive. Right. See, inconclusive. They don't know nothing. They don't know crap. They don't know squat. They thought they knew something, and it turned out this guy made a monkey out of him. Oh, shouldn't have said that. Earlier this morning, uh, down in Silver Spring. Well, now, what do you call it? Silver, Silver Spring. A call and a lot of police activity. Uh, a white van um, with two males in Uh-oh. camos that went into the woods uh, after a response and some uh, resources deployed there. Certainly was determined that these were bow hunters. The call was cleared. <laughs> the situation is uh, certain. Oh, I, I can't stand it. I can't take it. Because it's not funny because a lot of innocent people are getting shot and killed. But this guy, and this is a crowd man. 
Yeah, they were bo They went into the woods. Ooh, pretty suspicious to me. Anyway, the uh, facts is the uh, Ray Oren Snatch. The rumor has been persistent for years that this right-wing, moralistic, smarmy, homophobic, Utah Mormon Republican piece of garbage is a deep-in-the-closet bondage queen. And it says, my vote goes for Snatch. Thank you, Don in Albany. We were talking about Albany yesterday. You know, WPTR, good old days. Albany, ain't that a suburb of Buffalo? <laughs> That's what Geldy would tell you. Get Geldy a map, would you please? Straighten his ass out. Well, he's under a lot of pressure. You know, he's working with Mo, And his tongue is about ready to fall off is what I'm hearing. 11 past noon at 560 WQAM. Hey, if your body's about ready to fall off the edge of that mattress because it's warped and lumpy and bumpy, just ain't what it used to be because they don't last forever. Get yourself a great new mattress the intelligent way by calling. You know it by now. You're just sitting around thinking about it. Do it. Call Dial-A-Mattress, 1-800-MATTRESS, M-A-T-T-R-E-S. They give you so much more than just great service, and I should know because I've used them for years. Just call that toll-free number, talk to somebody who really knows bedding inside and out, and they'll let you choose whatever kind of mattress you like, extra firm, extra light, extra sp- whatever. And they got the top brands in the world. they got Serta, Sealy, Simmons, King Coil, and they give you that amazing delivery service where they deliver to your home when it's convenient for you, any day of the week, seven days a week, in a two-hour window that you choose, okay, like between noon and 2, 1 and 3, etc. And they give you that 30-day in-home comfort guarantee to check it out for up to a month to make sure it's the right mattress for you and your back and what you need. So call them right now in time for the weekend. You can be sleeping in real comfort. Call 1-800-MATTRESS, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, and tell them that old Neil told you to call, or check them out on the web if you like at mattress.com. This is Sports Radio 560, QAM. Yo, yo, let's rate oh, Radio Big Sean. Oh! That's how we pass the time away in the gay old jail of Oz. Hello? Hey, yo, is OJ there? This is the juice. Huh? No, this is OJ. Oh, hey, OJ, this is Randy Moss. Who? Randy Moss, wide receiver from the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I have no idea who you are. Oh, hang on a second. Arnell, it's one gram per vial. Okay, now, who's this? Randy Moss, Minnesota Vikings, from the NFL. Look, man, I haven't really paid no attention to all the expansion teams since I left the league. What can I do for you? I'm in trouble, OJ, and I need your legal advice. Uh, hang on a second. AC, uh, bring me that sandwich and then help Arnell. Okay, Ricky, go ahead. It's Randy, and I'm in trouble, O.J. <laughs> yeah, I know all about trouble. Help me, O.J. I don't go looking for trouble. Trouble comes looking for me. What happened? Tell me. Well, I was minding my own business, driving my G-Ride, and this woman cop got in front of me. I tried not to hit her, and then they found weed in my car. You need to get a hold of Johnny Cochran. That man saved my ass. He'll keep you from doing time for knocking off that lady cop. Knocking off? Uh, I didn't kill her. I just bumped her with my car. It was... Look, man, you needed to kill that woman. You can't let them live. Man, you ain't got no problems. Try killing a woman. Then you got problems. I got to go. Yeah, he's got to go. He got busy things to do this weekend. Kill some people. Right. 1217 at 560 WQAM. Here's the fact. Did you know or do you know of? Yes, I do. Jack Carney did mornings on KMOX in the 70s in St. Louis. Did we ever wind up putting KMOX on there? Because I don't know if they played uh, top 40 music or not. Because all I remember, for as long as I can know, news and sports and sports and more sports on KMOX. I don't know. Nobody told us, so it didn't get on there yesterday. I don't think I know how I'm going to be able to get this thing uh, going again. 
Or if I do, maybe it'll go back to the start. Should I try it, dare it? Oh, uh-oh. Yeah, I see that. Then that damn thing comes up again, and I'm afraid it's going to go back to the beginning if I click this. And Be I should... afraid. <laughs> I'm very afraid. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, yeah, it's going to go back to the beginning, so screw it. But it was okay. It was a nice sample from there. Don't you think? I liked it. Well, I'm not playing anymore. Well, because I don't know how to get back in the middle of that, that, radio, that real radio player. Just be glad I was able to get it in here, okay? I had to pay for that. It's not free, you know. Oh, I didn't know. You have to pay for that damn thing. Well, I don't pay for it. In fact, uh, Carlos probably could have gotten in there for free, but, you know, he's busy. Uh, I don't know what he's doing. Looking ugly. Nicholas Kristoff writes in today's New York Times, Bait and switch is the headline. He says, listen to the American Hawks after a few glasses of wine, and you might be seduced into thinking that after overthrowing Saddam Hussein, we're going to turn Iraq into a flourishing democracy. This written uh, from where he is right now, which is in Kuwait. He says, but I'm afraid it's a pipe dream, a marketing ploy to sell a war. We, can't, we can't, haven't even been able to nurture full democracy in modern, bustling Kuwait, where women still cannot vote, or in Saudi Arabia, which is more egalitarian, neither men nor women can vote. I had a nice insight into the limits of democracy in Kuwait the other night when I was at the palatial home. Come to think of it, the reason it was palatial was that it was a palace of a top Kuwaiti. A cell phone rang, and my host beamed and informed me of the arrest of Mohammed al-Mulefi, a young government official who had been quoted in the New York Times a few days earlier as gushing sympathetically about two terrorists who had shot an American Marine to death and wounded another. I asked the sheik, I'm trying to protect my source, unfortunately there are enough sheiks in palaces in Kuwait that I still am, what the charges were against Mr. Mulefi. Speaking too openly to an American journalist, insulting the great father across the sea, the arrest underscored the risk of expressing a dissident view publicly at a time when Kuwait was shocked and embarrassed by the killing of the Marine. The episode is a reminder that while Kuwait is one of the freest countries in the Gulf region, with a lively press that dare schooled even members of the ruling Sabah clan, it is also a family-run venture that falls well short of being a full-fledged democracy. In the immediate aftermath of the Gulf War, the first Bush administration leaned on the Sabahs, and the result was a re restoration of a parliament that the emir had dissolved in 1986. The parliament has since grown more important, with members periodically trying to do their best to embarrass cabinet members in the finest tradition of de democratic rule. But the U.S. soon lost interest in prodding the Sabah family, and so 11 years after the Gulf War, progress has been modest, even in peaceful sandbox-sized Kuwait. Then there's Iraq. A central challenge is that democracy would effectively take power from the 16% Sunni Muslim minority that's always run Iraq and handed to the 60% Shiite population, and this transfer could be very bloody. You can't expect to have a real democracy in Iraq, such as we're dreaming of, notes Abdullah Sahari, political scientist at Kuwait University. Building a democracy in Kuwait is very easy, he says, compared with doing the same in Iraq. Perhaps it's a bit odd for the not entirely democratic Kuwaitis to scoff at prospects for democracy in their neighborhood, but most do so. Even if we could find an Iraqi uh, version of Hamid Karzai, no, no, Ahmed Khalabi, don't leave yet London yet. And even if Iraq were ready for democracy, there would be another huge obstacle, the neighbors. There will not be a democracy in Iraq, not a real democracy, said Mohammed al-Jassim, editor of the newspaper Al-Watan in Kuwait. That would mean allowing a Shiite state. America and the Gulf countries cannot afford that. The rise of a Shiite state in Iraq could strengthen Iran and lead to clashes with Shiite minorities in Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, and other countries, he warned. Actually, it seems to me that the risks of democracy are smaller than the risks of military rule. But that may be academic because our odds are that the neighboring governments would do their best to block popular rule from ever emerging in Iraq. Kuwaiti rulers seem to think, based on assurances from U.S. officials, that Shiite domination is potentially so destabilizing that democracy is not even an option for Iraq. As Kuwait sees it, the possibilities range from a Tommy Franks vice royalty to the installation of a Sunni Hashemite king, some relative of Jordan's King Abdullah II. Jordan already seems to be quietly lobbying for this outcome. 
Democracy is just not in the cards there, one Kuwaiti official said. Of course, even a nice tyrant, Sodom Light, would be a huge improvement for the Iraqis, but I'm afraid that the prattle about creating a democratic model on the Tigris is just a shrewd White House marketing attempt to bait and switch. Writes Nick Kristoff. Good thing that uh, Leon Harris there on CNN didn't get to that Shiite part in that story. Kirby Puckett. Say it with me, Leon. Kirby Puckett. Come on, say it. You can do it. I mean, what are the odds of my... I don't listen to the audio very rarely, except during a break, if like there's something major, if they have that hysterical breaking news logo on there. And he said, uh, Kirby, uh, something that rhymes with Puckett. Continental Fires Pilot for Drinking, who probably said the same thing that Leon Harris said. Ah, Puckett. He probably said that. Continental Airlines yesterday said it fired that pilot who was accused of reporting to work drunk. The 15-year veteran... <laughs> Tested positive for alcohol and was dismissed, said Jeff Awalt, a spokesman for the Houston-based carrier. The pilot, who has not been identified publicly, had been scheduled to fly Flight 1086 Tuesday from Bush International Intercontinental Airport in Houston to Orlando. He boarded the Boeing 737, loaded with 154 passengers, and had a confrontational conversation with an air marshal aboard the plane, said John Klaibs, a Federal Aviation Administration spokesman in Dallas. The Air Marshal notified Continental and airline officials removed the crew, which was coming off an 18-hour rest with another crew. The flight took off 30 minutes late. The FAA's investigation is continuing, but the pilot has been dismissed. Adios, Arrivederci. Here's that story you were so excited about. Woman may have bitten husband to death. A California woman who allegedly flew into a rage and bit her husband repeatedly after he refused to have sex with her is being held on charges that police say may eventually include murder. Modesto police said that Kelly Pratt, 45, attacked her 65-year-old husband, Arthur, on October 7, holding him down and biting him some 20 times after a dispute over sex. Most of the bites were confined to his arm and his abdomen, and a few were very deep with major tissue damage, said Sergeant Al Carter of the Modesto Police, told a TV news reporter yesterday. The Modesto B newspaper reported that Arthur Pratt, whose skin was covered with more than 20 deep tooth marks, died Sunday at a local hospital that the forensic, local forensic pathologist believed the bites are likely to cause a death. The husband was able to dial 911 that night, Carter told the newspaper. We have a tape of recording him screaming while she was biting him. When officers arrived, he was screaming that he'd been assaulted. She fought with the officers and tried to bite them, too. Arthur Pratt had a history of medical problems, including diabetes, heart and circulation problems, an official ruling on the possible homicide charges awaiting toxicology tests, which could determine whether the bites caused an infarction, infection that proved fatal, to be said. Infarction or infection. Infarction's a heart attack. Get with it. Carter said police were already persuaded that his death was a result of being bitten. I've seen cases where dogs have bitten kids and blood or loss of infect or infection that led to death, Carter said. I've never heard of anyone being bitten to death by a human before. Kelly Pratt is currently being held in Modesto, about 90 miles east of San Francisco, on charges of elder abuse, domestic violence, and assault on a police officer. Murdered by biting. Got a lot of people around here with biting comments. I bet he regrets not uh, having sex with her, turning her down. You know something? Maybe he figures it was worth it. Maybe he'd rather go out and kill some people than have sex with that bitch. 26 past noon at 560 WQM. We all have different lifestyles, therefore we need different products to help us with our health, help us stay alive. Oleum and Mediterranean formulas are advanced combinations of pharmaceutical-grade olive oil combined with good stuff. 
You'll find vitamins. Well, you won't find them, but they're in there. Vitamins, minerals, herbals, all kinds of other nutrients scientifically designed to provide natural nutrition solutions to help you support specific health needs. Look for Oleomed's three great new formulas. There's one to help you sleep, one to help you with your weight management, and then there's coenzyme Q10, CoQ10, all using the benefits of pharmaceutical-grade olive oil. Oleomad's an exciting new product. More and more people are popping it every day. Picks them up at Publix, Eckerd's, or Walgreens. For more info, call their toll-free number, 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-653-6633. And don't forget, you can also order their products online if you like at oleomedamerica.com. Visit your nearest Publix and purchase an Oleomed product in Dater Broward, and you can receive you a coupon for a free Larry Coker bobblehead doll All right. while supplies last. Don't forget to visit their sampling pavilion at Sportstown every Sunday when the Dolphins are playing home and pick up some free Oleomed samples and product information. Start popping some today. Live, Live and local, we are Sports Radio 560 QAM. Friday, you bastards. Oh. Condoleezza, Condoleezza, Chevron Moody. With your funky yellow teeth so far apart. Stupid. Condoleezza, Condoleezza, what you be doing? Get the old fascist like that token Schwarzer's dog. Is you dead cause you a high-toned boot-lip Negro? Is you the blackie and your mammy who be smart? Does they like how you shine their shoes, Condoleezza? All the way you wash and park the whitey's cars. Georgie Jr. say he trust you, Condoleezza. To sell our allies of the greedy oil walls. But then he make you clean all the White House bathrooms. The tub, the sink, the toilet, and then scrub the floor. They tell you don't wear sandals, Condoleezza. Your cold chip toenails make them want a wretched fuse. Your nappy leg hair looks just like it be Velcro. The GOP want you to be that token stew. Yes. One day while you be flipping pancakes, you may realize. That they're treating you just like your esterone. That's when your head will move from side to side, Condoleezza. It's till Bush and Rummy, they be cracker assholes. 12.32 at 560 WPM, the Mad Dog coming up at 1. Wait till you hear this. This is a very cute fax. It says, Hi, Neil. Did you happen to see the Miami Herald's election recommendations in today's Broward section, page 8? Did they really endorse Senator Mandy Dawson? Isn't she the one busted for forging a prescription? Isn't she the one the Herald once did an article that she lied about her degree and that she was officially scolded for not showing up for important votes in the Senate? I believe her record says she has only shown up for 20% of the sessions. I also believe she was once arrested for forging bad checks. You know, it's stuff like this that gives our Democratic Party a bad name. Sincerely, Miriam Oliphant. <laughs> All right. Good one. I think I can get this thing to play. You know, I think. I'm not sure. I'm not positive. I'm, oh, what's uh, Carlos got there? What is that? 
That's laser. I mean, Jose. a laser. Uh, he looks at when he opened. No, I didn't. With the uh, replacement cartridge. I didn't remember? look a second time when it opened the door from the side, and then I saw the facial hair. Doesn't he look like Carlos with facial hair? Well, no. not quite as ugly. Yes, he does. Oh, that's our uh, thing. That's our cartridge. Well, thank you very much, and this, uh, thank you. Appreciate it. That's from. Uh, give another plug there. Laser uh, MD Inc. in Hollywood. Thank you, Jose. Isn't that his name, Jose? It is Jose. Looks like Carlos when he first opened the door. You don't think so? No. Adam Spicks all look the same. M I L Power Play. See, this is not the same uh, thing. Ah, oh, it did that again. You see, if you pause it, you see how that's all screwed up. If you pause it, it just—I uh, don't know. Don't want to play right. I'm sure that if it was Carlos, he'd have come right in here and said, "Oh, here, let me show you how to do it." No, thanks, Carlos. Stay away from me. Be good on that station, KOMA. And it's going to take care of you right away. You're going to cure all your ills at 1231 with J. Robert Dart. Oklahoma City's only home-owned and operated paint shop at their new location, 9th and North Broadway. Are you kidding? My car's so dented and battered, all I've got left is the mission key. J. Robert Dart with James Taylor. Maybe James got ahead. J. Robert Dart? Isn't that song like Johnny Dart? It is. 
Twitter. Rewind it. Hi, this is Larry Dixon. Well, I've been waiting for you to call me. place in Florida to get a polk salad? Where? Polk County. 20 till 1 at 560. I probably have a poll folks in Polk County. Wouldn't surprise me with a white soup and a red soup. And a lot of people sitting around going, like that. Y'all come back now. You hear? 20 till 1. We got the Mad Dog. Jim Maddox coming up at 1 as we get ready for a big football weekend, baby. And then, of course, on Monday, don't forget. And, of course, we're taking our chances. I'm taking my life in my hands by making a big deal out of this because uh, two-thirds of this book is George, you know. And we already know about <laughs> we already know about that last turd that uh, you turd August. That was bad. That was bad. Really bad. Of course, the whole station. Other than I'm trying to think, did the Humper go back? He went back down a little bit in August, didn't he? August was just bad all know. the way around. Yeah, it was. August was pretty damn weak. So September is going to see how the summer book goes. And then, of course, there's some people on the station who, so far, they have yet to throw in a good month in there. You know what I mean? 
I don't want to mention any names, but there's some people who's uh, just haven't thrown anything in there. Pretty big. Yeah, we'll see. We'll also get the hour-by-hour hour breakdown, right? Not on Monday. No, no, not on Monday, but with right. the book. Well, that'll build up the suspense. Tuesday, Wednesday, we can like kill at least three-fifths of the week next week with because numbers. we need to know the 9-to-1 from August instead of the 10-to-3. So I can squeeze another point over. Oh, no, no, don't start playing that again. Are you, are you suggesting he had, like, fractions in the uh, – yeah, well, that's a good point. Could have. He could have had, like, min- numbers so minute. Stupid. Is there still anybody out there who's still not plunging with VIPsportsbook.com? I can't even begin to imagine what you're waiting on. You're missing out on a really great sportsbook, the best one going. Everybody and their brother claims to be the best sportsbook in the world, but you better be cautious before you hand over your money to some sportsbook in a, a third-world place like uh, Georgia. Let me help you out. VIPsportsbook.com is the only book to be unanimously endorsed by all, each and every one of the industry watchdogs. They're Dutch-based, one of the first online sportsbooks ever. So if you're going on a roll of a lifetime, you want to be with the best sportsbook going, and that is VIPsportsbook.com. And with the football season going really, really big, you want to be hooked up with these people. Open an account online, get you a 15% cash sign-up bonus, and don't forget they've got the highest parlay odds you're going to find just about anywhere, up to 2,000 to 1. So get over to VIPsportsbook.com and plunge to your heart's content at VIPsportsbook.com. And call them toll-free at 866-VIP-BETS. That's 1-866-VIP-BETS. Or, better yet, to save that 15%, get that bonus, go to VIPsportsbook.com online. And don't forget, this is be the place where you are the VIP. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Hit, baby. Kill some people. Till you explode. Just like your fat, fat, churning ladies have to buy two seats on a plane. Spilling your fingers that have yellow stain from Cheetos. Can't see your toes. Past your piggy poo nose. Proud to be fat, disgusting, and pasty. Oi! You make the shudder women smile. They like a gal who's fat and sassy. Pink smelly fat, so repulsive and vile. Your body cheese smells like a crapper. After it was occupied by Ed Asner, need a shoehorn to get into your car. Cause you're too goddamn wide. Oink and squeal, oink and squeal. Oink and squeal, fat lady, living with your lover, Lesbine. Slobbering and snorting the tree between her knees. Mashed potato yeast. Smells fishy to me. Napping up a tuna that's moist and tasty. About 47 and 560 WQM, the uh, wackos are on a poll again. We got 497 votes already. You believe that? No. No. But anyway, they're having fun. Which politician do you despise the most? Hillary Clinton, 121. 121 sounds like fun. Jeb Bush, 89. Catherine Harris, 67. Remember when they were like lockstep? uh, He pulled away. Pulled away in the stretch. Jewel Lieberman, 62. John Ashcroft, 43. Ted Kennedy, 34. Jesse Helms, 32. Tom DeLay, 17. 
Trent Lott, 11. Strom Thurmond, 9. Dick Army, 7. And Orange Snatch and Ice, even 5. You, can't you see Orange Snatch dressed up in drag? If it was good enough for gay Edgar Hoover, why not Orange Snatch? Do they have temple lingerie? In fact, he's already got the magic underwear going underneath there. Underneath his dress. This is depressing. Okay, right at the end of the show, somebody faxes me this. The Archdiocese of Dublin is currently facing 450 legal actions as a result of clerical child sex abuse allegations. The RTE program Primetime reported last night. A leading canon lawyer, Father Tom Doyle, has expressed disquiet with the way cases have been handled within the Archdiocese. This is in Ireland, Dublin. I guess they're doubling their pleasure. He told the program that from what the knowledge he's gathered about handling of clerical child sex abuse in Dublin, he believed there was something radically, radically wrong. That's what he said. Radically, radically wrong. Father Doyle has investigated many cases in Britain, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada, eh? Maybe he checked out Harold Ballard at Maple Leaf Gardens. He made his comments on the Dublin cases at the beginning of a primetime special program last night, which reviewed how the cases have been dealt with the detailed accounts of uh, cases of abuse by eight priests, of which at least six bishops became aware, but didn't do nothing. See, one thing about the Catholic Church, they may not be good, but at least they're consistent. Here are some of the best news we've had in years, which you're probably already aware of. When I saw this, I just about jumped with glee. Who's he? Del... Dude, are you getting canned is the leading sentence. Oh, I heard about this. Oh. Yes, indeed. Hallelujah. Dell Computer said it's blonde-haired surfer dude pitchman Stephen, played by actor Ben Curtis, one of the most annoying people in the history of the human race, will be taking a break despite helping to increase sales for the company since the campaign went on air two years ago. Dell's already started aiming less dude-centric ads that feature a group of eager interns, one of whom don't look too bad to me, by the way. The uh, company refused to say whether Stephen is just taking a breather or whether the campaign is a goner. Get lost, Stephen. This doesn't mean the end of Dell's association with the Stephen character, Dell spokesman Bob Kaufman said. We're just trying new things, looking at alternatives. Kaufman said Stephen ads are still airing around the country. Let's just hope and pray that we don't have to see any of them. Whether or not they'll run long into the future, I can't say right now, he said. Not so good news for so many of the fans of the dude ads, which have developed a strong cult following. NBC's Saturday Night Live spoofed the character. His admirers posted Ben Curtis trivia on websites, and bulletin boards buzzed any time Dell released a new commercial featuring the laid-back spokesman. Oh, my God. Well, you want to know why? Why? Because he was on television, dummy. Oh, dude. Curtis, 21, was a struggling drama student from New York when he beat out more than 100 others for the chance to be in the Dell commercial. In the spots, he plays a goofball, I don't think he has to act too much, who harangues friends and family to buy Dell computers. The debut ad was one of Curtis's favorites. In it, Stephen talks into the camera and tells his dad why he should buy him a Dell, stressing loads of free accessories and his dad's love for a bargain. In other commercial, commercials, Stephen persuaded friends' parents to buy their kids' Dells, closing with that catchphrase, Dude, you're getting a Dell. Duh! God, Curtis took the public adoration in stride during an interview with the St. Pete Times in January, seemed fine with the idea of the retiring campaign. This has made me more humble in a way, he told the newspaper. I'm more aware of not letting it go to my head. Sometimes it would be nice to be uh, just a major theater, uh, theater major, but this is an awesome opportunity. I work as hard as I can. If it works, great. And if they're done using me, they'll stop and we'll move on. Move on, Stephen. Don't take it personal, okay? But move on. In the beginning, it was it were okay, you know? The first 10,000 times. Right. It's like anything else, just a little bit of oversaturation. You know what I mean? Just a little bit too much, uh, sweetheart. You know something? I'm starting to feel that excitement from Monday already. It's, all, it's only the end of the show on Friday, and I'm already starting to feel that excitement. Man, it is going to be so. In fact, when those numbers come out on Monday, 
Some of the people who work here are going to want to go out right out here on Ivesbury Road and kill some people. Wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAM. Have a penis. I've never had one. I swear. Negro. Fooling foul is the masses. Negro. Negro. Fooling foul be a right wing swole. Shining the shoes of white man Bush. Fooling foul is the masses. Negro. Spreads his cheeks to kiss his tush. Oh. Fooling foul is the masses. Negro. Stepping and fetching at the whim of his white master. Fooling foul is the masses. Negro. Take us to the needs of the globalist crackers. Owl is the Mrs. Negro. And Uncle Tom's subservient cool. Owl oh! is the Mrs. Negro. A twizzling black say poop lips poop. Owl is the Mrs. Negro. Yo! Coolin' be, coolin' be, coolin' be, coolin' be a slave negro. Yes, coolin' foul, oh, that would he be do. 1257 at <laughs> 560 WQAM. It's really something when you get like to the last two seconds and that's the best part of the whole bit. That's always just, uh, that's why I'm very careful ever to step on the ending of those. Because he's a really sick man. Hey, by the way, Lynn Samuel's new radio show starts tomorrow every Saturday. 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the Internet, uh, www.islandtalk540.com. You following that? Well, well, I mean, she's, she's doing it out of. Well, she's on some station in, uh, I guess, on the island, Long Island. I don't know, isn't it? I guess. It's 540 on the dial. I mean, this isn't just an Internet show, I don't think. This Long is Island? Because there was a thing. There's a, wait a minute. 